lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 150. On tonight's episode, the fat manling has Alex Gonzalez back, and they're talking about green skins. That's right. Green skins. <sighs> Just shut it. I'm listening to me show. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms. Bringing you big rooks, big maniacs, and wargog prophets. I'm Dave Whitek. With me, as always, at the beginning of the show is Lindsay, the albino Canadian hockey puck. And she says hi. Okay, so, um, let's get to it, shall we? Let's just jump right in here. Um, uh, you know what? Uh, we need to take a minute to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer. Uh, they are Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois. Mersha Miniatures, that's M-I-E-R-C-E hyphen miniatures dot com. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. And Battle Foam. Protecting your army. That's right. Those are the five remaining sponsors as we're down to five now because of all the wonderful folks pitching in and helping out with our Patreon as we move to a uh, fan-based show, um, it's just—it's really overwhelming. I'm going to save that for the end of the show for the wrap-up, um, but it's—it's it's just been great. So, thank you for that, folks. Um, all right, so I've got Alex Gonzalez uh, about to come on, and he's going to talk some bone splitters with us. Um, it's a long one. It's pretty good, I think. Uh, we had a ton of fun. Uh, talking about everything, uh, everything bone splitters. Uh, coming up, what do we got? We got about ninety minutes of fluff talk. Um, not just plowing through each individual thing, but really just sort of what we like about it, what's going on. I found, it, I, I think it was really fun. In fact, we we didn't even just try to plow through stuff. Uh, we just sort of like hit the parts we really liked. Uh, about 80 minutes uh, of War Scroll talk and then maybe another 45 minutes after that of War Scroll Battalion talk. Um, they may not be super all-powerful battalion bonuses, but as you're going to find out, it's it's every little bit adds up with this army. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so that's what it is. I'm not even going to bother apologizing for the length. You guys know what it is. When we don't cover books, it's usually about two hours, um, but these go long. And I know other shows are trying to keep their show short. Forget about it, man. I don't give a, I don't care. Um, it's not long because we're trying to pile in every detail. Like I said, we're skipping things. You may have to actually get the book and read it yourself for some parts because I know I remember there were parts where it's like, okay, let's just move it along. Um. This got long because we're having a good time. Uh, legit talking about things we liked, connections in the stories, how much we enjoyed them. Um, then the Ten War Scrolls, we talk a lot about them because there ain't really a bad unit in the list. Uh, everything sort of works together. Lots of synergy, as you're going to hear. 
uh, and they all have their own special flavor. Really nice rules written to the fluff. Uh, really connects to the stuff in the beginning of the book. Um, and I only bring that up before we get into it because we are going to talk about the whole thing in, in a few minutes. But a lot of people go right to the rules and then they read the rules or they look at the models and without going back to the fluff, some of the things that they do don't quite make sense or don't It's like, well, why would you do that? Um, they're really tying everything back to to the fluff. So you definitely want to either listen to Alex and I talk about it or read it yourself, you know, suit yourself and do both. You should do both. You should listen to us and then read it and come up with your own opinions because, you know, you should have those things, I suppose. Um, and then uh, hmm, that's, I think, then the battalion, Rose Scroll Battalions had all the flavor. They're relatively simple to get, these War Scroll Battalions. Like, basically, if you build an army, you're probably going to hit at least one or two of these battalions. Uh, and for the little extra points, the little flavor that they add is usually pretty good. So I'm excited about that too. Um, so that's it, you know, just talking about cool stuff because it's pretty excited about this book. Uh, so voicemail info and then skip pretty much everything else and jump right into the book, I think. So um, if you want to leave a voicemail, one seven five seven gh show 6 1-757-GH-6. Show six international callers from most countries dial zero zero before with the one seven five seven GH show six. Um, one quick last thing before we hit our first break, and that is uh, I went to Gen Con last weekend and uh, I had a great time. We'll probably try to sit down with uh, Heather and maybe Harrison and kind of talk about the things we went over and the things we did. Um, like we always do every year, little bonus episode. But uh, next episode of Garage Hammer, uh, I'm going to take some time because I got a chance, an opportunity to sit down uh, and and ask a few questions and talk to uh, one of the community guys, one of the the GW community staff, and we talked about some stuff. And I, I just pretty, you know, I, it's pretty interesting. It's how often do you actually just get to actually ask them questions in person, face to face? And get some answers uh, about stuff like, you know, it's uh, there's no there's no corporate secrets coming out here. But next episode, I'll fill you in on what we talked about. We talked a little bit about Facebook. We talked about the handbook, and we talked about some new books. Um, and uh, I'll tell you everything I can. I, I'm pretty excited about it. And that is what you call a tease for next episode. So stay tuned, to episode one fifty one. Um. Let's take a quick break, and then we come back. Uh, we're just going to jump right in with uh, with me and Alex and these here green skins um, because they're kind of awesome. So uh, I'll be back. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, 
privateer press, soda pop, dark age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you. Because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. Chaos Org Superstore. And I'm back, and I am back once again with a man who knows greenskins almost better than the greenskins themselves, Mr. Alex Gonzalez. Alex. Dave. Yes. Oh, so, uh, okay, um, I know, and I probably mentioned this earlier in the show, uh, I know I said we were going to be doing God Beasts, and uh, I just haven't gotten through all that's so much to read there and, is a lot yeah and you're like hey i'm not ready with god beasts and i'm like me neither and you're like hey how about bone splitters and i'm like sounds good um so we're doing bone splitters and uh so uh in general what do you, you want to give a quick general thoughts on the book really fast before we get into details uh sure i mean this release for me was Kind of like, okay, they're going to do Savage Oryx, and it's just going to be, you know, some sort of tribal division and, you know, some neat little stuff, but nothing great, you know, like earth shattering. And then you read it, and it's like, um, nope, nope, this is this is a very different kind of book. Um, it's on that scale with the Sylvaneth book, um, when you guys covered that. Um, and then you look at this one, and it's like, Okay, they've really developed these guys from something that you never really saw on the table in previous editions, except for like, you know, Tom McClure or somebody else yeah. would have one unit of these things as opposed to a fully defined army. And they took what was, you know, essentially just stuff that people wouldn't be taking to suddenly, oh, this is a fully fleshed out crew that you can definitely see in this new universe. Yeah. And I mean, it, you know, it's it's funny because I mean, it's it's not as full and fleshed out as the Sylvaneth. It is more full and fleshed out, I think as far as troop-wise and and model choices go and and units go than say Fire Slayers, you know. Mm. Um what I really liked about this is the story behind it is really cool and this is nothing like the stuff we're used to seeing. No, um, it's not. This is not a typical orc army. Um, even the breakdown, and we'll get to that later. Um, the fact that the guys in charge are the mystics and the wizards and the and those guys. Those are your leaders. It's not the biggest and brawniest head basher. It's the guy. It's 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 that it's that it's that priest and that that shaman that is the most in in touch with with Gorka Morka. I mean, I I I know it wasn't it was like was it two uh orc books ago or was it three when they literally described all how the orc magic works and how it builds up and how the, like a lot of these guys were short-lived because they'd get so full of the 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 power of the wall that their like heads would pop. Mhm. And it's like they they brought that stuff back, and it's I really I was surprised. Um, like you said, I expected it to be. I did not expect it to be as as multifaceted of an army or even a story 
as as we actually got. Um, yeah. And they fleshed out a lot of things, too, because in this book you'll see, like, all the different kinds of weapons, like, where they got these weapons from, so you can add a lot more customization to your army as far as what you want. And then you add in all the extra abilities. And even they added a glyph uh, for the savage tongue, like, so, so you can get the right tattoos and glyphs. And all that, so you can kind of understand just even their language, and then how they break down their tribes and their culture is just much more than these are the feral orcs. They live in the Southlands. They like to hit things. They live when orcs were orcs. It's like no, this is this is a lot. This is I live on Dewa all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And you know what? This actually made me really excited for a for a goblin battle tome. I would love a Moon Clan battle tome. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> well, because you know the Iron Jaws one was pretty good, and I I have to admit I skimmed through the Iron Jaws. I did because we haven't reviewed it, and I haven't I didn't sit down and really, you know, really process it all. Um, but just kind of going through it, it was basic. You know, the the type of stuff we're used to seeing, um, and this went so far off. I was like, I really enjoyed this one more, even yeah. the Iron Jaws. I was like, wow, this really sort of goes out there and does something. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot less militaristic and a lot more of the, I would almost say, holy aspect for Bone Splitters. Just how they view their world, their role in it, and what they're supposed to be doing. This is more of a, you'd almost say like a, like a faith militant. Right. That sort of thing. These guys are... They remind Almost me of dwarf totally. slayers a little bit too. They're like they're trying, they're getting in touch with these things, going after bigger and better baddies. Just the descriptions of how the the magic works and how you know just the the green, you know the green crackling energy building up around them and shooting out, and people can physically see it. Mm-hmm. it it's it's so much. I'm I'm reading it and I'm picturing it in my head and I'm looking at the artwork and I'm like, this is just great. Like. It, it really, it's such a vivid picture. I can see it in my head, and it makes me want to play them again. Yeah, like, absolutely. And I sold off all my Orc and Goblin stuff when I was selling down my armies, and I'm looking, going through this going, man, man, man. Yeah. And the thing is, I had the old Orcs and Goblins. Like, when they did the new book and stuff, like, I never bought the new stuff. I just had a lot of, I had Orc Boys, and I had Black Orcs, and I had Night Goblins, and I had the basic stuff. I didn't have all the big the big new stuff, and I really never had the Savage Boys. So it's not like I got rid of something that I I regret getting rid of, but the more I'm reading this and looking at the pictures and looking at the artwork, especially the more like I'm like, oh, this would be so awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and my buddy Ryan out here who lent me the book for this review, he's starting Savage Orcs, and I'm going through this and I'm like, Ryan, why are you doing this? Because now I really can't until you're done with yours. Because then I'd look like I'm jumping on the bandwagon. But why? I want to do this so much. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I just, I love the artwork. And you know what? And they do a lot of, I mean, there's some cleverness here. Because who was the old model that had the mask on his face? Uh, Wurzag, the great prophet. Right. And so they had the character model. And now it's like, well, a lot of the... You know, if you're if you're a Wurgog, if you're just if you're one of the priests, 
they always, they, you know, tons of them wear the wooden. Ma- so, like, you can have that model. You can have another, you know, again, taking something that existed as a character model and having it now be a character full model <laughs> without being mm-hmm. a named person. So you could play with these, you know, use them on the table. Um, you know, you know, maybe you got to do a little conversion on them to make them look a little bit different. Um, but the, just the artwork looks so good as I'm flipping through it. You know, I mean, just every page, it's just really, I mean, they look, these guys are scary. Yeah. Big, huge, muscular, you know, um, it's so funny. And, you know, I was talking with Greg Dan about this the other day when we were do, getting ready to do some after Eleanor stuff. And he had always said, you know, the stuff in the stories and the stuff on the tabletop never translate well to one another. Um, no, because not look at this. I'm like, how could they possibly be strength three when you look at these guys who look like they're twice the size of a man and they're nothing but bone and sinew and muscle? And it's just like, okay, well, that's fine. And I and I it, whatever they just they look so good though. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know what? What what's cool about this? Another thing before we jump into the book. Um, the whole sort of clown princes of the Warhammer world, you know, the sort of goofiness that they had. Yeah. That's not in this book. No, there's none of the goof, and this is all of the hit. And oh, yeah. they do have, you know, like kind of the weird funny stuff that you're going to get with Oryx and Greenskins in general. But this is well, much you're gonna get, yeah. more. You're going to get that style, style of speech. That they wrote yeah. in for them and stuff like that, but these guys are. There's none of that weird silliness anymore, unless you just count how odd they are as the silliness. Um, these guys are just—they're maniacs. I mean, they actually call them maniacs in in here. They got mm-hmm. you know, but they're you know. And I love reading through this, and it's like these guys are crazy even by orc standards. And then you get to the guys, and these guys are crazy even by bone splitter standards. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, this is. It's so colorful. It's so good. So, um, all right, let's jump into it. Why don't we, huh? Sure. Um, you know, I love, once again, I'm, I'm, I can't talk enough about how much I like the artwork. Um, and even on this very first, uh, on page five there, Bone Splitters, and there's the the uh, orcs fighting against the Stormcast, and you're just like, oh, look at that. You know, mm-hmm. look, how, look at just the, the power and the energy running through this. But I read this first part. And it talks about how they're wild and they're crazy and um, basically how the the spirit of Gorkamorka is in the minds of all Oryx when they get together, which is that power of the Wa, which um, – and that was actually in their old rule book, you know, remember uh, when, the, when, you, when you cast magic, if there's – if you have – you know, more of them there fighting than not. Your 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 you know your your magic gets more powerful, right? Uh, and it's it still sort of follows that sort of idea, um. But it talks about here how this power, it, you know, the rolling green energy, roiling green energies, and um, other orcs get caught up in the mania during battle. They constantly feel it all mm-hmm. the time, and um. To give you a quick explanation here, it says the Bone Splitters believe the Wa is a living thing made up of unruly beast souls, which can be captured and caged in broken bones and crude tattoos. Under the guidance of their Wargog prophets, the holy leaders of each war clan, 
The bone splitters hunt monsters across the mortal realms to claim their wild spirits. Uh, you don't become a bone splitter. You are chosen by Gorka Morka. Uh, sometimes he gets in your head and just doesn't leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you could be in a battle. You could be in a hunt. You could be in something. And when everybody else calms down, you don't. Right. And there's a good example in like a uh, background perspective where there's a group of Ard boys fighting against uh, Nurgle, looks like plague bearers, and then the Bone Splitters show up and totally turn the tide. And these Ard boys, which are like that militaristic, you know, the black orc type thing, yeah, the stuff from just, the uh, the stuff from the Iron Jaws book, basically. Yeah, they just say, "Oh, stuff this," and they just go all crazy and go all out of whack and kind of break that discipline just to feed off that spirit that the bone splitters bring with them. Yeah. Yeah. The bone splitters go through. Uh, bag, bag rock, watch this boys abandon any pretense at tactics and throw themselves into the fray. Oi, you gets, he yelled before feeling the same fury build in his brain. Ah, stuff it. Wah. Mm-hmm. And can we talk about wah for a moment? Do we have to talk about wah? Just for a moment. Okay. Okay, I hate it when people say wog. And I'm going to be I'm get, the English teacher in me and the pretentious side of me is going to kick in here. Um it's that it's that thick British accent them yelling war. They're yelling war. You know, and it comes yeah. up with the wog. It's not wog. There's no g. <laughs> okay, I know it's there. I know the gh is at the end. It's not there. It's It's a, a silent gh. It is. It's they're they're yelling war in that thick I don't know if it's Cockney or whatever that 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 it's guttural is that, what it is. Yeah, that uh, that sort of British slang accent that they've always sort of given them. Um, but it's 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 they're screaming war, which I think is just. <laughs> I love the fact that they just scream war all the time, and mm-hmm. it's but it's 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 war, and so I always say war, and I know I sound stupid to people, but it's just when I hear wog, it drives me insane. And now I know people are just going to say it to me on purpose after they hear this, just to annoy me. But it's just I had I want I, I just had to say it. And no, no, it's it's, it's, it's my microphone, so I'm saying it. You know. <laughs> All right, fine. Be that way, Dave. <laughs> uh, I love the stories about the and so basically that's but that's them in a nutshell. They are mm-hmm. hunting everything huge because the spirit of Gorka Morka. That animalistic spirit of of their god is in these large animals, and so when they kill them and bring them down, they cut them open, they eat their flesh, they drink break their blood, their bones. and they break open their bones to get the marrow out because that's where it is. And if they don't break the bones, they take these bones and they they use them as ornamentation. They use them for weapons. So mm-hmm. the power is literally they've eaten, they've taken in the power, they've turned their weapons are full of the power. Uh, all of the all of the prophets, you know, the Wur, the Wurgog prophets, um, they make out of the bones to for their staffs and stuff like that. That's what pulls all this energy together. Um, I found a weird parallel uh, that I thought was funny, and I don't know if you noticed it, but as I'm reading through this, they talk uh, about this spirit of a savage god. Um, and we'll get to the we'll get to the story of how of where Gork and Mork came from, but um, their priests can feel the presence more acutely, 
In fact, they can smell it on the wind, and they will go after these animals and go and hunt them. And they just they they know from signs and portents where to find the spirit inside these animals, and they hunt them down and they destroy them, and they they take the spirit into themselves. And at first, I read this, and like I said, the first time I heard it, I'm like, really? That's what it is? They just they're they're all about killing monsters to get this power. And this story is almost identical to the fire slayers. Yeah. They have a lot of parallels to the fire slayers, um, both in their background and then in their tabletop play. Um, looking through this whole book, I'm thinking this is a orc version of a fire slayer. Um, just, it well, said, I mean, you think about it, the fire slayers, their God is trapped inside the, specific parts of specific types of gold. Right. Uh, it literally says that they can smell it sometimes across regions. They go, they hunt it, they break it down, they burn it. And what do they do with those pieces when they get them? They jam them into their flesh, mm-hmm. just like they jam the bones, or they make it into weapons. Right. I mean, it's the exact same thing, only they find theirs in gold. And the fire spirit and the gold, whereas these guys find it in these beasts and these monsters that they kill. But it's a, it's they're like, you know, for for two races that never liked each other before. In they're the, in very the old parallel. <laughs> this, these two groups are so similar. Yeah, and they talk about like the beasts, like the meaner, angrier it is. It just means they got an extra helping of that energy. And it's kind of the same thing with larger deposits of Urgold. It just feels more. Yep. And they talk. I don't. I don't remember seeing a spot where they talk about like the guys that just go completely nuts to like the Grim Grimwrath Berserker level of Urgold addiction. Um, I don't think they really talk about where that level goes to um, with the no, beast I didn't spirits. That either. But I didn't see that, so it'd just be an interesting a second parallel to kind of what they are. Right. Um, so then we get the, the stories of Gorka Morka. Um, they worship him almost, it says most of the savage creatures of the mortal world worship Gorka Morka. To some, he's the apex predator that strides across the realms, preying upon anything that moves to others. He's the two headed giant whose arguments cause the skies to rumble to the bone splitters. He's the great hunter, the master of all the beasts, whether they crawl, fly or swim, uh, every single beast has a bit of his bestial rage inside them. Uh, and then we get to the story of it where basically, and I don't, I don't know if it's on this page or it's later. Um, so Gorka Morka basically um, was the two-headed god who was arguing with himself mm-hmm. and got so angry he pulled himself in half. Yep. And now there's Gork and Mork. Which are the two parts of Gorka Morka because he pulled himself apart while arguing with himself, which just kind of makes sense with you look at the orcs. And once again, I know I just said they moved away from that sort of clown prince goofiness, but this is this makes sense that they would be that that would be their god, if for no other reason than I mean to just be fighting and there's no one else around. You're fighting with yourself. Right. Pull yourself apart, you know, just be these two aspects. Um, I just think, I think it's great. Yeah, and they play into that. I mean, because orcs and orcs just in general with the Gorka Morka thing, it's brutal and cunning, but and then cunning but brutal. 
Right. So it's that different embodiment. That's the difference between the two. So they're the same, but not. So you get a lot of that weird parallel and just how they view themselves. Right. Because there are some, they'll talk about this later when they talk about the different rucks. There's ones that are more cunning and there are ones that are more brutal. And it's just, they're both great, but. Oh, and I love how they a, break it down too, because it used to be that the orcs were the brutal with the back, you know, with the cunning in the background. And the, and the, well, the grots now were the cunning because they weren't as strong. They were brutal, but they had to be more cunning. Now it's broken down in here as, you know, the guys who are straight up fisticuffs are the brutal but cunning. And the guys who can do things like shoot arrows and stuff are the cunning but brutal. Mm-hmm. Like the guys who can hit you from a bit of a distance have the, have the cunning down, which actually was the same way it was broken down, like I said before, because the goblins had all the, the mo- did most of the shooting and stuff like that mm-hmm. and would come up and, and, and come and sneak you, you yeah. know, and now those are the guys that'll do it. Um, it's just great. I love also how uh, it talks about how uh, the bone splitters, they're... they're you know their shamans and stuff will will see stuff and they'll 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 look up at the sky and they'll see some and they'll go running after it and the other auric clans are like you know they know that they're closer to gorka morka than others so they must know the plan and they follow them mm-hmm. and it's like uh, no no is that no they don't they don't <laughs> they just they see something and it looks like it and they go and everybody just happens to follow them. Right. Um they're sort of they are just they are chaotic. You know, mm-hmm. and it's just it I think that's fantastic. Um it's a combination of chaotic cuz that's the way it looks, but this is Gork and or Mork speaking directly to the prophets where Right, but I mean everybody thinks they have this grand plan, like they they know the plan. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, actually, they don't. They just follow the signs, and they believe that they'll be led the right way, and they go with it. Everybody else goes, there must be a plan to this. <laughs> and there they go, following it off. Um, I do like how they also have some of the calendars in the different realms um, are set up by their the, the nomadic movements of the bone splitters and their tribes. And when they get to certain places... Um, you know, in, in Gur, the new year is marked by the arrival of the savage Oruk hunts, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. It's like, oh, they're coming through. It must be a new year. They're coming. Th- they're running through again. Yeah. And there's a group of people, and I'm assuming this is in Shyish, where they count their spring is when the Oryx come to battle the great zombie dragons of their land. Yep. Because that's when they show up. That's Yeah. It's, it's really just... Um, you can see that they've had this impact not only in their own on their own uh race who have these set, set ideas about them but how it's it's starting to impact you know the the realms about them like they mm-hmm. you know people you know you, you take notice of when these these guys come by yeah um and then the next part talks about the power of the wall and um i just love reading about these uh the Wurgog prophets mm-hmm. and the energy, you know, and the green glow forming around them. Um, how you actually will see giant feet come down and stomp on things, or giant fists come out. In fact, one of the stories right before the uh, battle plans, um, there's a giant comet being summoned down by the Seraphon, and he starts doing his dance, 
and the green energy starts to go, and a giant fist goes and knocks it sideways and keeps it from smashing them and knocks it into a mountain. And I'm just like, really? Yeah. I mean, he, he takes on there. I mean, there is a there is a Wurgog prophet taking on a slan, magic for magic, and the slan is pissed because. He, he like he doesn't know exactly how to counter this because it's like this is not normal magic. This is just this bizarre sort of stuff they're doing. And once again, they believe it, so it works. Right. <laughs> it's a lot of the same principle. And they talk about like where they manifest jaws coming down and biting people in half. Yep. So I mean, that could be something like in game terms. That's arcane bolt. But by the way, that's the savage orc version. Right. So it's just you get a lot more of a story and like more creative views on how the same thing across all the armies in the game could then apply to bone splitter specifically. Right. So it gives you that visual manifestation and it even says like the power of the Y is more than just the thirst for violence that resides in all Oryx and it can manifest in many strange and destructive ways. Yep, that that would be Oryx. Exactly. Thing. And and it infects everything around it. Like the animals around them will start to just feel it. Um it's just this whole idea that it's just in all of them and the more wound up they get, it's like this, you know, this like I don't know. I, I don't want to compare it to like almost like a fog or a mist around them, but it does. It, it infects everything around them, and it and it gets larger and stronger the more of them that are there and fighting and building. It's just the coolest concept as far as like their their magic goes because it's unlike anyone else's mm-hmm. in the game. It's just that the more of them are there and the more wound up they get, the more powerful and out of control it gets. To the point where these guys are just, I mean, the stuff they're throwing around rivals just about anything you've seen in that you read about in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, as you read it in the book. And it's it's brilliant. It really is just so much fun. Um, you know, uh, and the funny part is uh, it almost, <laughs> it reminds me of that scene from, um, and I'm just talking about it magic-wise. Because they have all of these artifacts, the bone pieces. Mm-hmm. And they can pick them up and make them work and use all this magic. And it's big and it's powerful, but it's also just a bone. Right. Um, and if if you remember, did you see um, did you see No Country for Old Men? Yes, once. Remember that scene where he, he goes in to pay for the gas and the guy asks him a question and kind of annoys him? And he flip, they have him flip the coin. And it's like, you know, like whatever this guy calls, if he calls it wrong, the, you know, the Shigur is going to kill him. And then he gives him, he's like, oh, success. And he gives him the coin and the guy takes it and he goes, no, no, don't, don't put it in your pocket. Don't put it in your pocket. Why? Because, because it wouldn't, because that's special. That's your lucky coin. And if you put it in your pocket, it'll be just another coin, which it is. Um, and it's, it, it, it made me think of that when I was reading about how the, these things are for everybody else, anyone else who would pick them up, even your great magic users like your slan or your elves or stuff like that it would do nothing for them no because it, that's not their magic and it just it's i, I don't know i get i get I've been, I, I've been reading this i'm just so into it i keep stopping i'm like harrison check this out harrison check this out he's like dad i'll read it when you're done mm-hmm. no but, you gotta read this one <laughs> no it's so much fun um and the last part here that I want to hit before our break 
uh, the dawn of the Great War, and that comes up before they show all the pictures of the of the weapons and the uh, you know the history pages and stuff. It's just there is another great war coming, and it's. It's here, and it's so funny because they keep forgetting that there have been a bunch. It's like they're 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 kind of crazy, you know. They remember the last big one, you know, and, but then you know Gorka Morka split, and we haven't had a huge great. And it's like no, there's been a lot. And if you if you stop and think about it, you remember that there have been huge great wars before, um, but the, you know they're not thinking about that. They just keep seeing what's coming up sooner or later. Um, and it's basically going through that after the age of chaos happened, um, there was just all this fighting to be done and now they're just, they're waiting for, you know, Gorka Morka to come and lead them on this huge battle and they know that it's coming soon. Mm -hmm. Um, if anything reminded me of sort of the old world, it's that whole, the, the, the you know the two minutes to midnight that always seem to be on, right? And um, whereas other places now now in this in in the age of Sigmar, that that sort of thr- it doesn't feel like that so much anymore. It's like yes, chaos came in and had a had you know they had almost won. They had uh, the rest of the races you know up against the ropes, but we start off with Sigmar coming in and turning that tide and knocking them back. And we've seen so far over the course of a year of them just continuously getting knocked back. So yeah, you don't have that sense of it all could come crashing down any second. And then you read this book and it's like, he's going to come and lead this this war right across the entire, the all eight realms, you know, and smash everything. And you do get the feeling reading this that that, that could be coming any time. Mm-hmm. And these are the guys that have survived and thrived in Laurel, in the Age of Chaos because of what they believed in and not surrendering or giving up because Gorka was still living and that's how they saw things. So they know it's coming and now things are starting to turn and the more that they hunt, the more they release the energy. It's only going to build and build and build to the point where you're going to get this great green beast that's going to go and start wreaking havoc. Yeah, and that's a good point, too, how they thrived during the Age of Chaos. Because when we first started reading these books, you you remember even that the first Black Library book when they were giving the stories you know, about the the corn bloodbound going across and there's like the last vestiges of these humans on this place that were just barely just racing ahead of them trying not to get killed with the few that were left and you're like wow it was really almost wiped out until Sigmar showed up um, you don't hear any stories about that with orcs no. and you look back and you're like nah the orcs were doing fine weren't they they, they were, were fighting everything they were happy to have stuff to fight from the realm of chaos the bigger the better you know this is what they do so absolutely, yeah. Um, like I said, if you're looking at the book, you can look through. They have the Great War Bones, where they talk about the different types of stone and the different types of bones that make up the different weapons. Um, there's a bunch of cool stuff in there. Um, there's a, a section in here that talks about their language is is mostly you know pictograms. Yeah, um, the, 
there was one in here that I think bears particular importance to them. Um, it's the one called Manic for them, M-I-N-I-K. Yeah. Or M-A-N-I-K, which is kind of this, you know, the circle thing where you like you spin your finger in a circle like you indicate well, it's like someone's a spiral, crazy. But it's very squared. Yeah. It's like that squared spiral look. And the translation for that particular glyph is insane slash not insane. So the way I look at it, now for those that don't know me as a person, I come from a psychology background. I'm trained as a therapist. So when I see manic, the first thing I think of is like a manic episode, like if you're bipolar. Right. Well, I mean, I don't want to say that these guys have a mood disorder or anything like that, but it's just what a manic episode is, is high energy, have to do something nonstop, always on the go, and you just feel like you are invincible, you are unstoppable, and anything that you want to do, you are going to do it. And that, to me, screams what this army is, which is pure energy all the time, got to go, go, go. That's what these guys are. So I think that that particular rune is like, well, you're crazy, but you're not crazy, just depending on which standard you're looking at. You know, what's funny is there was only two other two real runes I really wanted to mention. Uh, and one was just because I thought it was clever, was the lightning bolt. And it means lightning lad, lightning lad, which are the Stormcast Eternals. They call them the lightning lads. Yeah, when you add the S or the Z at the end of lads, that definitely makes it sound better than a lightning <laughs> lad. Um, but still. And then you, you get the one for the prick ear, which is an elf. I think it's ironic that they call elves prick ears because, well. well they got pointy ears. They got prickly ears. And, and we're going to keep it family friendly and not go anywhere outside of that. Everyone else can figure out what they want. Yeah, and then a nerd, N-U-R-D, is unlucky. So, I don't know. Well, they also have the guts ache. G-U-T-Z-A-C-H-E is ogres. The gut ache. Yeah. Um, oh. But the symbol, I actually wanted to talk about the manic symbol, too, because as I was looking at all these other symbols, do you know what this symbol looks just like? You might not, because you weren't playing them as much as I was. That's the Master Rune of Alaric the Mad. Shut up. Go back and look at the Master Rune of Alaric the Mad. It's a square spiral. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. So okay. if, if you want to look, I mean, just if you want to mention it, it's, I mean, it might be a little, there might be a couple of more, you know, lines to it, you know. But, I mean, I used to do, I mean, because when I was writing up my dwarf lists, I would, you know, it was easier to write up for me the symbols once you've used, once you've written up enough lists than to write mm-hmm. out the whole name of the rune and the master rune of Alaric the Mad I used quite a bit and it's that it's that spiral that's just but it's all in you know like box straight straight lines so yes the master rune of Alaric the Mad and their their box for manic insane slash not insane is pretty much the same rune hmm interesting I'm not saying I'm just saying right so. <laughs> Why don't we take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the um, the uh, space timeline real quick, and then we'll talk about um, the different uh, our different or the different rucks and things like that. So, folks, we'll be back in just a minute with uh, the space timeline and the rucks. 
What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Sir? The most you ever lost on a coin toss? I don't know. I couldn't say. Call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Well, we need to know what we're calling it for here. You need to call it. I can't call it for you. Well, it wouldn't be fair. I didn't put nothing up. Yes, you did. You've been putting it up your whole life. You just didn't know it. You know what date is on this coin? No. 1958. It's been traveling 22 years to get here. And now it's here. And it's either heads or tails. And you have to say, call it. Well, look, I need to know what I stand to win. Everything. How's that? You stand to win everything, call it. All right. Heads in. Well done. Don't put it in your pocket, sir. Don't put it in your pocket, it's your lucky quarter. Where you want me to put it? Anywhere, not in your pocket. What will get mixed in with the others and become just a coin. Which it is. Urgrunk Wurtief had a powerful vision from Gork after being hit on the head by a drunken gargant. In it, the greenskin followed a great tree beast walking across the realm of life its savage spirit taking on the shape of Gorkamorka as it smashed apart Sylvaneth armies. He ranted about the tree creature until, tired of his babbling, his war clan threw him through a realm gate. As Gork had predicted, Urgronk awoke to find himself in the Jade Kingdoms and set off in search of the mythical tree monster with his god's face. In his journeys and battles, other Oryx, entranced by his visions, joined his quest. These savage greenskins started bringing Urgronk gifts, including an especially magical bone to use as a staff, and a beast mask carved of heartwood to help him see the signs of Gorkamorka. The Oryx called Urgronk Splinterfoot because he followed in a path of the tree spirit, and soon his growing army became known as the Splinterfoot War Clan. His quests led the War Clan to one bloody battle after another across Gyran. His vision of the tree beast filling Urgronk's mind. No matter how many Sylvaneth they killed and cut open, he never seemed to find the spirit he was looking for. Each night, Gork sent Urgronk fresh visions, and the boys started calling him a Wurgog prophet. All Urgronk wants is to find the tree beast and scoop out its soul. All right, and we are back. Yes, we are. Okay, space timeline. Um, not a lot of this is anything we haven't seen before. You know, um, Gorka Morka fought Sigmar. That's where it starts off. Uh, the wa the war energy released was so furious. Every auric that fought in that war became a bone splitter. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where it starts getting 
getting going, I think. Yep. And then um, there's basically just a lot of good little stories in here, little bits of info. Um, nothing in here that really grabbed my attention super much. Um, I do like the crack, fang, bone splitters were in a constant competition with themselves um, because their prophet, uh, Mokgok, uh, one day he was worshiping Gork and one day he was worshiping Mork. Like he would flip back and forth depending on how he felt when he woke up. Um, and that actually divided the clan, half of them painting themselves red and half to painting themselves blue. Um and it said actually they would be they would get into fights among themselves so much um and that would just lead them in weird directions like they didn't they didn't follow any set path because they'd get to fighting with each other all the time and i love it, it says during the age of chaos many armies of the dark gods were destroyed by the rampaging halves of the crack fangs as they migrated erratically across the lands Mm-hmm. So like they were fighting so much with themselves, they didn't even notice what was going on until they stumbled onto something from chaos, and then they were already so worked up from fighting amongst themselves that they just both turned on the enemies mm-hmm. and smashed. It's like okay, all right. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here where they talk about like them being either unwitting allies or actual allies of like some of the factions that we have seen or are going to see. Um, like the big prey, they talk about when working with what are essentially the Beast Claw Raiders, um, going through all the monsters in the Winter Kingdoms, um, or they worked with Iron Jaws to uh, raise something. Yep. So it's you can kind of see where they fit in the grand scheme of things, which is kind of that um, erratic, almost like force of nature type thing I think is really um, where these guys kind of go and they have one here called a fistful of teeth and the first yeah. thing that thought in my hand was for a few teeth more but you know <laughs> yeah. it's, it's bad it's bad no I thought about that too and I actually looked for it down the line uh, but it wasn't there um, I love the the nest of rats where they just uh, where they accidentally fell in and were smashing up all this stuff and basically busted open into a warm uh, uh, a Skaven clan warren and just in a full in a day ripped that place apart destro- destroying everything in their path um, I did like the one about the gates of Ugurk. Uh, the ancient Ugurk realm gate between Gur and Gairan became a meeting point for dozens of bone splitter tribes. Countless bones were hurled into the shimmering surface until it came to life and began belching prophecies. Prophets still traveled to the glyph-covered portal to divine the will of Gorka Morka. And I was like, oh, that's great. They just yeah. get in there and they're throwing bones at each other, and actually the portal just starts belching prophecies. We're like, wait, what? That is not what a portal is supposed to do. So something's going on. Yeah, and if it's like what we're talking about earlier with the bones just being a bone to some people, but realm gates, which are kind of like manifestations of energy, they can pick up that kind of latent energy, I think, within the bones sure. and then obviously start belching. So I think that's where it comes in. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's just, crazy. But the fact that it happened, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, and in a lot of the books we've seen talks about them being like corrupted realm gates and spilling energy from the realm of chaos, and then they go back to like the you know normal-ish stuff. So these are kind of the 
waypoint for whatever magical energy is passing through them, yep. which can in this case be the Wa. Now, when they get into these big battles, I mean, some of these things at first, like in fact, the last one on the on the history chart described, um, they were fighting along uh, the Gur spine. Um, and seen from above, the War Clan were a sprawling mass of green bodies that formed the shape of a mighty charging boar. And I'm like, wait, really? So, like, they, the shape of a charging boar as they charged? Because then we get to the very next page, and it talks about um, their their sort of, uh, you know, the makeup of their army, like how things break down. Mm-hmm. Um, unlike the constellations or the rigid sort of, you know, boxes and lines, it's the picture of a big skull. Yeah, with a bunch of glyphs on it. Yeah, and I kind of like how this is broken up. So you've got the Wurgog prophet who leads a war, uh, and they gather together in rucks, okay? So you have your prophet who is surrounded by all these different rucks. Now, first you've got the cop rucks. Um, they're the head of this beast. So if you picture a beast skull, they're like the head, the forehead is the cop ruck. Uh, they've got war docks and more boys, in there, we'll talk about them in a little bit. But the war docks are basically um, the prophets, like second in command and stuff like that. They're like the minor priests. Mm-hmm. Um, and if a prophet's head should explode or something like that, usually one of them will be chosen by Gorka Morka to take his place. Right. Uh, and then you got the Moor boys, who are just the there. We'll get to them later. Um, basically, those are the ones that are considered kind of insane, even by their standards yeah these um, are the guys that live the wa energy yeah i mean because they're right so close to the prophet all the time um running into battle naked or almost naked with a weapon in each hand no armor no shields just more attacking you know mm-hmm. um and uh you know they're almost like the bodyguard for the prophet. These are the guys. If the prophet's the brain, the guy who's like leading this with all the power of Gorka Morka, these guys are that skull, that main part protecting him. Um, then you have Tifrux, which are the, they have all the Gork. They have the t- the Gork Tief, which are we called them big stabas. You know the yeah yeah. So the Tifrux have these giant spears called Gork Tief. And they're the fangs of this skull, um, okay. and uh, you know, and of course, there's fangs that rest inside the jaw because you got the jaw bone, and the jaw bone has the gobrux. And there's two types of gobrux. There's the brutal gobrux, which are the close combat, and the cunning gobrux, which are your bow bow handlers. Yeah, and they're led each by a morka boss for the cunning ruck and the Gorka, Gorka boss for the brutal ruck. So you're starting to see more of a breakdown into how things are formed. And when you look at the picture, these two gobrucks form the eyes of the beast horn or the beast skull. So you see that. And then to finish it off, you get the snaga rucks, which are the horns of the beast, which these are your mounted uh, boars, your maniac, uh, the boar boys, and the knobs. maniacs. Yeah, yeah, and those are the guys. Yeah, because they're coming around the horns that kind of twist up and come around on the sides. Because they're the guys who come in and move quickly, move in from the flanks. And so that sort of makes up this skull. You've got the jaw, the fangs, the main part of the skull, and then the horns. Um, 
and that's how they base their 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 military, I guess you would say. Yeah, and if you think about it, coming in on the battlefield, it's a pincer move with another strong push in the middle between the T-Frux and the Gobrux. So you can kind of see that even though this is a very feral, magical aspect, there's still a very militaristic bit of acumen to it as well. Right. Um, one of the interesting things we talk about the, is the Bone Grins War Clan. And I didn't know if it was mm-hmm. grinds or grins, but the bone grin I thought made more sense to me. Yeah, I'd definitely go with the grins. The bone grins war clan. Uh, they've got tons of these big stabas and big. Now, um, if you remember from the models, the savage orcs used to carry a big stabba. Uh, those are no longer called big stabas. Those are called gork teeth or teeth of gork. Um, mm-hmm. The big stabba are the two orcs who are carrying it. That team, they're the big stabas. They're the big guys who have to carry this thing. Um, and there's tons of them. And if we talk about the Bone Grins clan, they've got all these big stabbers getting together um, and making these giant spears from the bones and the teeth of these giant monsters they're destroying. And they believe once they assemble all of the great green god's teeth, so once they get all of his teeth, then they can actually use that, you know, as a, as a symbolic, as a big jaw, and they'll consume the spirit of Gur itself. And that's a big theme that runs through this whole book, is there, especially in Gur, where the beast energy, which is where Gorka Morka resides, you know, um, in fact, if you think back to the end times, um, the, the orc that had the one, it was the beast lore that he yeah, had. Yeah, Grimgor. Grimgor had the beast lore in him, so that whole the, the whole realm of Gur is just completely suffused with energy of Gorka Morka. And if you kill enough of these monsters, you will actually, these guys believe you can actually uh, take in the spirit of the entire realm of Gur, like the spirit that is that realm, the biggest beast they're going to find. And they can take that into themselves in, in calling forth. Uh, calling forth their god. I thought that was really cool that they're trying. The end game in this realm is to suffuse the actual energy of the realm itself. Yeah. They had mentioned earlier, like, they believe that Gorkamorka created Gur, that he was the one that put this all together. This is his land put together in his image and his energy. So for them to fully take on a spirit, again, kind of feeds back into what they've always believed, but this is now on a global scale. Yeah, essentially for them, the, the 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 prophet or the you know the boss that takes in that energy, that's like that that's the I win right there. That's the guy who's mm-hmm. going to call forth Gorka Morka for the great final hunt. Um, we get into the pictures here, and it's you know the paint schemes and stuff. I do like how they give you again the symbols. If you want to start painting the different tattoos on them, um. Then uh, they show you all of them yeah. there, so how you can do it. And they talk about how it's imbued with Wah energy, um, if the prophets or the shamans paint them on. So there's a little more to it. And you see like just really how kind of creative you can get, not just with the Bone Grins clan, but looking at the other Bone Splitters. These guys are varied in color. The stuff that they take off of the other... Uh, monsters of the realms that they live in um like flint jaws they chip their weapons from stone golems and they wear the skins of rift sharks so yeah okay 
that's something interesting. And it's more of a seagoing tribe talking about drifting isles. And then you see like the ice bones where they ride pale furred boars and have ice weapons. So and we'll get to that one in a second because that's one of the major clans that gets mentioned. But you can really like let your imagination and kind of take over to whatever you're feeling. Yeah. Um this so is a lot of there's a lot of ideas here in the uh in the pages for for paint schemes and stuff like that. But let's get into uh talking about our different um our different characters that make up this the the different characters in this clan. And we start with the Wurgog prophets. Um another great picture of them wearing the the wooden mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the slant behind them, like, okay, I got to take that. And you can see the green, that green mist forming around him um, yeah. as he's pulling the energy together. Um, Wargog prophets, the you know the 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 war energy crackles around them. Um, t- if you're standing too close to them, you risk being completely overcome by that power. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they can sniff out the great beasts. This is where we get to that whole thing, like before where the where the fire slayers could smell Urgold. They can sniff out great beasts literally, and they can follow them even if, even when they don't know what they're following. Like they can just tell this is there's a there's a beast to be followed. I don't know what it is. I just know it is. Um, you know, it's the gift of of Gorka Morka for these guys. Um, I love that their magic can also take just about any form. It's it's basically it's green, it's unpredictable, and it's violent. <laughs> That's basically what you know about it. It may be a foot, it may be a fist, it may be a big bolt of lightning, it may just be you know it could be anything, but it's going to be big and it's going to be violent. Um, one of them in somewhere in this book describes it looking like the actual like a big green uh, boar riding down. Like it mm-hmm. took the form of a board, just writing things down. So, um, I love, I, and I love that it's it's the prophet that's leading this whole thing. It's always, I just I'm so used to the orcs, like the prophets, the 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 wizards. I mean, so often people are always taking, you know, the 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 um, you know, the grots for their wizards, you know, the little shamans, mm-hmm. um. But they were always secondary to the big black orc, big boss, you know, like the guy with the most armor and the biggest, you know, biggest arms and the largest weapon was always the guy in charge. He was the general. It was always the big, you know, the guy who could punch hardest. And here it's not. It's so not. It's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these guys are not like small by comparison. Oh, these are no. still pretty tanky orcs. But it's it's what they believe in, which is the faith, which is the wa. And these guys are the beacon for it. Right. And that's really where the power lies. And it makes that tribal aspect. Because in a lot of like the more primitive tribes, you see where it's not necessarily the war leaders. It's the actual person that they revere as someone who is tapping into that energy or communes with the gods. Those are the real leaders. So right. you get that flavor in this. Yeah, and that's I, that's I, like I said, I really like that about this is that it just it really goes to them, and it's not just who can punch everybody the hardest. Says I'm in charge because I'm bigger, right? Yeah, these guys are actually touched by they were chosen, you know, the hand of their own god chose these people to lead. It's kind of neat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they're surrounded by the cop rock, the skull of the beast, as we talked about. And then we get their war docks. And let's see, the war docks, their attendants and advisor to the Wargog prophet. And when he inevitably explodes as his successor. So they're, you know, um, they each lead mobs of more boys. Uh, they're uh, among the few that can understand. Um, in fact, the more boys are among the few that can understand what the war docs are screaming about. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and- it talks about how it's the spirit talk of the Wa, which is the language, which is the only language a more boy really understands. Right. So it's, again, feeding on that primal energy. Exactly. And um, I like this part. Where is it? Um, now, they do their dances. They have like these tribal dances that help focus their power, mm-hmm. uh, and you see a lot of time the prophets they'll mention them start to do this this dance and then um, you know call down something amazingly destructive. But they can also they do there's the grim dock dance, which can patch up bone splitter boy. <laughs> Even if he's been horribly mangled in battle, spitting on wounds, the dancing war doc reattaches arms and sticks organs back where they're meant to go until his patient is as good as new. Um, and then they have the juju dance, uh, which Wait, charges the, charges up the tattoos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are three different grim doc or three different dances that these guys do, which are very important to how your army plays. So they make these guys kind of a secondary focal point for the Wah energy, which is then feeds right back into it. These guys play very thematically and it's still effective, which is something that hasn't always been there where if you're playing a thematic army, it's not the most effective thing. These guys, you can play thematic and effective at the same time. Yeah. So, and this is a reinvention of a model that was not, you know, it was just a savage auric shaman before, and now this guy has a definitive role, and they make that very clear. And then when they're leading the more boys and the cop rucks, and these guys are just the complete nuts by standards, but they're the ones that believe and feel it the most. So you get a lot of different, yeah. And I love the more boys. These are the ones that says they're insane by bone splitter standards. Um, the, the bosses can't tell them what to do. It's one of the reasons that the 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 war bosses are sort of happy that the war docs have. To, the war docs are one of the few that can control them. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't even know if it's control so much as it's just direct. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, much much better term. Yes. Um, uh, oftentimes you wind up becoming a more boy. They kill a beast with a really potent spirit. They eat its flesh. They wear its bones. And that spirit might just take over mm-hmm. that savage orc. And then uh, if it does start to take over, they'll get a tattoo of the beast to help cage the power within them. Yeah. And they talk about something that they do, which is called death writing. Yes. Which is there. <laughs> when you think about what this is, it's kind of funny, but it's still kind of effective where they essentially just like claw up the side of whatever they're fighting and then try to hit it so hard in the head. But then you usually end up dying after the fact. But well, that's okay. But it's not it's, even just that. It's first of all, they don't, they, like I said, they go in almost naked. They have a weapon in each hand. Okay. So there's no shields, no armor. 
So they use those two weapons as what they climb with. So they basically flip them to underhanded, and they just start stabbing and pulling themselves up by the weapons till they get to the top of the beast. Um, and they try to ride it, though. They see how far they can ride it. Mm-hmm. So on the top of it, they're stabbing in the side, and it's like they're going to keep on this thing until they can try to get to where the head is. If they can get to the top of the skull, they'll try to stick their uh, the um, champa, not a chapa anymore. They're not chopping. No. They're chomping because they're eating all this stuff. It's all about that skull and that jaw. They're going to chomp right through the top of the skull into the brain. And try to kill it. It reminded me of riding a sandworm from Dune, the way they described it. Like, they just climb up the side and, and see how long they can hang on. Yeah, or almost like ants, how they kind of take over larger prey items. Right. Where they just climb up the sides and just start going. So, I mean, it's it's insane. But, the, no, the death ride is, is hysterical. Yeah. And then if you look at the picture, and I know some people can't see this, but you have that big more boy in front, you know, screaming, yelling. The guy behind him with the axe in the right hand being held up, that's Grimgor Ironhide's pose. It looks like him, too, and it even looks like his axe, because that axe is way too clean to be uh, a bone splitter axe. A bone splitter axe, yeah. So I was looking at him like, what's he doing there? Ah, they They just took the pose and changed the face up. But this is a great, again, this page 35, that, you look at that orc and you're like, how does anything stand against these guys? I don't know. When you see these drawings, it's like, they're, it's just crazy. All right, so let's get to the gobrux, which isn't, isn't that slang for like your mouth? I'm punching right in the gob. Isn't that like in the jaw or in the mouth? Yeah. Which, and these guys are the jaws, right? This is the gobrux mm-hmm. are the, are they're the bulk of the, they are the bulk of the war clan's boys. Yeah. Uh, and this is where you get the savage big bosses. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right around the cop rock, right around the shaman, you got to be able to handle all that magic. That's where you get the war docs and the more boys who have been so suffused by the magic, they're completely crazy and they can handle it. But then you get down there and you got the savage big bosses and they keep all the boys in line. Um, and there's lots of big bosses in yeah, these war clans. Yeah, there's two from what it sounds like, a Gorka boss and a Morka boss. Well, yeah, there's only one Gorka and only one Morka boss, but there's a lot of other big bosses. In fact, and yeah. one of the one of the scenarios, uh, it says for every, like it was when they're doing a monster hunt, for every mm-hmm. monster in the army that they're hunting, they get to pick three units for every monster, but one of those units has to be a hero. Right. So just to give you a sense of how many of these bosses there are you got one gorka boss one morka boss but a ton of just savage big bosses Mm -hmm. um the gorka boss and the morka boss are chosen by the war god prophet and they're so busy competing they never have time to think too hard about why they're letting the war god prophet tell them what to do i love that part yeah and they lead the crews that are like the savage boar boys which we've seen before um and they act as like the teeth of a gobra, gobruck attack, which are driven forward by the bellowing of the Gorka bosses. So mm-hmm. these guys are even more so like a smaller beast within a beast, as it were, yep. because that's what they do. And the savage boar boys have a special bond with their boars, okay? They ride them in the battle, um, but they're really skilled at, they're also skilled at hit and run. They feed their boars the beast bones to keep them properly aggressive. So they'll feed them some of the bones and flesh of the stuff they kill too. 
mm-hmm. get that spirit in them and keep them going. Um, but it talks. There's several times in the book that talks about how they are. Um, the, the 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 actual beasts are so close to that magic they get caught up in, in with the whole war as much as everybody else does, and, and they start frothing and all that wonderful stuff. Exactly. Um, now you've still got uh, savage, you've got savage orcs and savage orc arrow boys, and these are your these are in the gobrucks. Um, you know, we talked about you've got their. Uh, the different, uh, the two different sides, whether they're whether they're up there in your face with a weapon or whether they stand back a little bit with the arrow. Now, saying they stand back a little bit with the arrow, they point out here is a misnomer because even they, after a couple of shots, see their their buddies right up there in in close combat, and they're like, forget it, and so they just run in shooting while they're running in because they're they're gonna get they're gonna get stuck into. They're not gonna sit back for long. Mm-hmm. Um. But I love that when you become one of these savage orcs, uh, the, it's the regular orc just you know gets that you know that feeling, gets that call to become a bone splitter, and just they give up everything they own. They make themselves a flint spear or a flint champa or a bone shield. They're full of all this wah energy. Um, you know their muscles, balls, or tattoos start going crazy. Uh, the more they are, the more energy there is. The more powerful they are. But they're just these are the base guys. Um, when you get to the arrow, the arrow boys, it says that uh, they're really strong and they make apparently pretty darn good bows for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, if you look at the picture, they oftentimes they'll stick the the teeth of enemies they killed, attach that to the bow to make it stronger. But they said they could put a simple wood or bone shaft through a trogoth skull, a steel shield, or a sigmarite breastplate. So they don't like sitting back; they'll run in and charge, shooting on the charge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they get up there, they use that bow as uh, they use the bow as a club because it's usually pretty thick and large for them to be able to be pulling it back and be shooting through armor and stuff. It's a big, heavy bow. Um, and then they use the arrows they have left as stabas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just going right for the urchy bits. Yeah, they got a whole fistful of arrows, and they're just stabbing you with the with the arrow tips. They're just you know, um, it's, it's <laughs> I love. I love these descriptions, you know, where they they give you this really good feel for everybody sort of got a place. And they mm-hmm. might be crazy and they might be completely savage, but they still have like a pretty well set up scheme. They're they're you know, the way their their military goes. Their, their yeah. military things go. And error boys up until this book in particular, I think, were always kind of frowned upon with Oryx. Now these guys understand that they are a part of the machine, as opposed to an important part too. Yeah, you're not just a joker anymore who's gonna, you know, be stuck while we're off crumping stuff and laughing at you because you're all the way back there. These guys are an actual part of their background and a very important one. So it's just nice to see that development because Error Boys used to be Error. Boys, E-R-R-O-R. Right. Because it was a mistake to be one or to take them. Now it's a completely different mentality, which is great to see. Exactly. Um, these just happen to be the guys who are cunning and brutal rather than brutal and cunning. And they use them uh, effectively that way. Um, plus, they don't stay back. Plus, with the rules the way they are, the fact that you can shoot in and out of combat and stuff like that, 
allows you to have an uh, a system like this where they can shoot once or twice and then run in. And you can keep shooting while you're running in, keep doing all this other stuff, and then just get get stuck into the to the fighting as well. So mm-hmm. the rules really um, allow for this type of uh, of a of a character now. Right. Uh, let's see what else we got. We got the Snagaruck. Uh, the Snagarucks are their main guys are the Maniac Weird Knobs. Uh, you become a maniac weird nub when you kill a beast of really great power and fashion a bone stave to hold the soul of that monster. So this is what we were talking about. You take a you know like a femur or one of these other bones, and the the maniac weird knobs. And basically, they're um, they're they're the uh, the the savage orc shaman on a boar. Yeah, that's what these guys are. Uh, they go riding in on a boar. When they release the power, the others riding with them might forget their green skins and start to act like animals, just charge in like the animals that they're riding or whatever beast is caught up in that. Uh, in the staff. Right. And only the weird knob can bring them back to who they are. So he's very yeah. important because, yes, he he eggs them on to fight more uh, like animals, but he also is the guy who can bring them back to well, bring them back to being bone splitters, which is, you know, as stri- as normal as they're going to get. Yeah. And they actually gave something particular. They created the Juju Squig, which <laughs> was something that, you know, they had on the model, but now they're actually doing something with it. And it's this little extra little animal that kind of follows them and eats the stuff. They will grab it because they can see that it's infested with Wah energy after eating all the stuff that they're eating and they essentially just like squeeze it and the resulting emission. I don't know if this is, you know, like something or passing gas, but yeah, whatever you want to call it. But the resulting emission helps with the casting of spells and gives a surge of pent up energy to fuel his spells. And that's cool to actually like take something that was just a little decoration and make it a definitive part of the model. Yeah. And a part of their background too. So it's nice to see stuff like that. Yeah, the juju squig is is a clever little thing. It's like it's like a magic sponge. It just starts soaking it up because it's with them all the time. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know what? I need a little extra something. <laughs> Give me that magic. Just mm-hmm. Squeeze him until he makes noise, and you get. It's that. just so adorable. <laughs> uh, and then you got the boar boy maniacs. Uh, you know, the maniac weird knobs are your like you said your shamans on boars. Then the savage boar boy maniacs. No armor, two champas, crazy attacks. The boars are temperamental. They're affected by the magic as well. These guys drive into the enemy full blast. Um, mm-hmm. And I've always preferred them since the model came out. I've preferred them sort of to the regular boar boys. Um, just the idea that they just sort of hold on with both legs um, and they don't hold on to reins. They don't hold on to shield. They have no, they got weapons and they're charging in. And this thing that I'm riding on is going to hit you hard. And if you're still standing, I'm going to hit you with these things I'm holding. Mm-hmm. They're great. Yeah. Uh, so what's uh, we got? Uh, one more, one more ruck. That's the teeth ruck. Mm-hmm. Because you need the teeth. Yeah, and these guys are what were the big stabbers, um, and they're still called big stabbers. But they, in previous like last edition when they came out with them, it was just kind of a weird little 
add-on to the unit where you have the two guys carrying this big spear. They've made this a definitive part of the army now. Yeah, it's and, not just added on for for decoration and then or added on, you know, because you could add it on for points. And, you know, yeah. if you hit a monster, it hit him a little better. Now there's just entire units of big stabas, you know, the two big stabas carrying a gork's teeth. Yeah, they made this a definitive part of the army, a definitive part of the aesthetic. And again, it's taking something that they had existing and made it into something more. Um, so what this is, is essentially a big wooden or bone uh, spear with another bone or flint or ice or something tip on it. And these guys are the ones that run in and just keep stabbing and stabbing and stabbing into the things that they're trying to take down. Into the really big they, monsters, yeah. Yeah, and then they take those down, and then they make more out of them to either replace the ones that they broke or whatever the case may be. And they come up with all these crazy names like um, World, World Splitta, um, Sky Killa Toof. Um, well, that one, every, just, yeah, they would throw it in the air and it always brought down a flying some, beast. Yeah. Yeah. So you see a lot more of a definition of what these things are. And there's a great picture of a whole mob of them fighting off against a Mutilith Vortex beast. And it's kind of like, okay, you go, guys. You go get them. Yeah. Um, and I love it's, you know, a, a pair of bone splitters, the big stuff, they wield a gork tooth. Um, spirits of the creatures killed by them are said to nourish Gorkamorka because they call them Gork teeth because they're they're like his teeth. It's almost like he's the one biting into these things and feeding them. Uh, and if it, it and this you get those names if you know these guys are stabbing and kill the more creatures they kill with that stabba, um, or the more stabbas get killed with that Gork tooth. Uh, those that's how they get the fancy names. And the legends, and they said there are ones that have been around for hundreds of years that they've gone through and just either replaced the flint or replaced that, but they've kept it going forever. Um, and they've become legendary with their, their ability to to kill stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just so good. It's just it's clever. And on the, and I love the picture on page forty. Like you said, there's them fighting the the vortex beast, but there's like three sets of pictures. You got the pair of them holding it, and then you just get the one close up of the one guy just standing there with the mouth open, the drool just pouring out of all those things, the little beady red eyes. That's mm-hmm. just a great shot of them. Um, so I think we're coming up to another pause here. Yeah, um, good it starts going into like the pretty pictures and. Right, and then uh, we got the great green tribes coming up next after we get past all the pictures. We flip the page, flip the page, flip the page. Savage Hunting Grounds. Okay, so this is where we get to our three our three stories mm-hmm. um, that, uh, you know, three nice stories of uh, that get into the scenarios. And we'll hit those as soon as we come back. Grin's War Clan. 
Led by the mysterious Gurkak Weirdteef, the Bone Grins War Clan have stomped across the mortal realms on an endless beast hunt, leaving a winding trail of carnage in their wake. They have a knack for finding beasts long thought vanished or extinct, and then killing them. In the Black Meadows of Rhaenyria, deep within the Nightlands of Shyish, the Bone Grins grounded the massive Gloom Sky Griffin, an elusive creature thought to be a thing of myth. During the Ratchet Wars, it was the Bone Grins who tore apart the Skaven stilt cities rising from the scalding seas in Akshi and stole the bones of the legendary Verminaut. Of all the trophies won by Bone Grins, however, those most prized by Gurkak are the teeth used by his big stabbers. Huge shards of stone, ice, bone, or obsidian, they embody the gnashing fangs of Gorkamorka, and each one is filled with the spirit of a furious creature. Gurkak believes that once he has assembled all of the great green god's teeth, then the spirit of Gur itself can be consumed. And it's story time now, folks. Back with story time. Three great tales and some scenarios to play out. All coming from the Bone Grins clan because these guys know how to kill big beasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's see. What do we got here? Our first story of the evening is um, Claws of the Sky Lizards. Now... We'll do a quick sum up of this one because this one's actually a, a, a this one's pretty quick. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a pretty simple story. It's 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 you know it's 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 uh you know auric auric you know battle porn. But uh, the, they've got a place called the Dragon's Gullet, which is sort of a long place with a big fire pit. It draws in magic and shoots up lava. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the when Corn took over this area, they had set up a whole temple to Corn. His bloodbound had set up a temple to him, like near the shores of this this area. Um, and the Seraphon just said, "Nope, you can't be there." And so they go in and they wipe out the bloodbound. Yeah, to the man, to the man. And as they're just finishing up, they hear this noise, and they turn around. And here comes, here comes the Wurgog prophet, Gurkak Weirdteef, who, when he would eat before he became a bone splitter, as he would eat, his teeth would talk to him. Yeah, hence the name Weirdteef. Yeah, because his teeth would talk to him and explain to him the benefits of eating these monsters and what monsters he should be eating and sort of guiding him and his path to, to, to enlightenment, If I guess you could say. Um, and basically the green skins completely start wiping out the source and skinks that are there. So the Slan uh, summons down more stuff. Um, he summons on these really big monsters, which doesn't intimidate them at all, but makes them cheer because apparently they've been fighting well enough that they get some good choice monsters to kill. Yeah, and there's a quick section where they talk about like how they've been, how the savage orcs have been fascinated by the by the war beasts, the Seraphon, for they've yet to find a way to cage the creature spirits in their bones because they don't leave any bones. Um, right, it's they very here. Yeah, 
in this part, I find it ironic that they're in a corn or the ruins of a cornate temple because corn has the same problem with Bloodbound because they don't, or corn has the same problem with Stormcast because they don't leave skulls. Exactly. These guys don't leave bones for the bone splitters. So it's just <laughs> kind of ironic. Well, but, and, and well, they also mentioned that about uh, the 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 Drakoths. Yeah, same principle. They, they disappear. Um, there is something I thought that was cool here. I wanted to read this part. Uh, it's it's Koatok. Koatok, I think was uh, you pronounced the name of the the slan. Um, and all of a sudden, the you know these gobrocks start spilling out towards the Seraphon. It says, Kotek looked up from the ruins of the Cornate Temple, and with a flicker of thought, his reptilian army turned to face this new threat. So, you know, once again, he can control them with a thought. That the Slan had not foreseen the coming of the bone splitters spoke much to the Greenskins' effect upon the mortal realms with their wild and unpredictable actions. However, he was an ancient general, one well-versed in war, sent the skink. So he talks about that. I just thought it was cool that he didn't even see them coming. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it says it spoke volumes to their effect on the realms. These guys are, once again, chaotic. And I keep saying, I keep using the word chaotic as opposed to, because I wanna, don't want to use the word chaos. But they cause chaos. Like, they can't even be, like the people who read everything and know exactly what's about to happen don't expect these guys when they show up. They're very much that random elemental force. Exactly. And they're all over the place. <laughs> so basically what it comes down to is they bring out these giant monsters, and of course that just makes them fight even more because now there's giant monsters, and they wind up wiping out the Seraphon pretty much to the you know down to the last lizard. Yeah, and I think they even get the slon. Um, but they talk about like what turns it is the rush of the teeth, which, as we've discussed earlier with what the bone grins are, that is a very important part to how they believe things and how they view things. So for that to be the finishing blow, I think right. it's really telling for them. Oh, and this is the one where he calls down the um, a blazing star detached from the firmament and hurled down the sky towards the greenskin horde. As it grew larger, its light turning the fiery gloom of the valley to a brilliant day. Wurgog prophet Gurkak began to chant and dance. Crackling green energy began to roll off the Uruk army. And guided by the frantic gestures of the prophet, it coalesced into a massive gnarled hand that swatted the comet into the nearby mountain peaks. So mm-hmm. he just, he just they, they called down a comet. And he's like, no. No. Go away. Yeah. And he just, he literally slapped it aside with a giant fist of Gork. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, and they talk about the Gorka boys not going to be outdone by the Morka boys and that stuff and all the different fighting that goes on. Um, but basically, yeah. And actually, it's this this bi- it's another big rush of this green war magic that knocks the Slan in his little in his little flo- floating uh, thing, um, flipping the him. Quinn. Yeah, flipping him off into. Uh, into the into the into the pit, like falling and off into the uh, into the lava or whatever it was. I was like, "Oh, this is just ridiculous! This is fantastic." Um, the scenario is kind of fun in that um, the first player picks his army, picks as many monsters as he wants. Um, for each monster, you can have up to two units that aren't monsters. So it does. Mm-hmm. You have to have a third of your unit minimum has to be monsters. Which then, is a lot of monsters. <laughs> yes. 
And then uh, the Bone Splitter army gets to take that and basically say for every monster, they can have up to three units. At least one should be a hero. So you could have, you know, six monsters and 12 units with your monsters. They That'll give them basically a minimum. They'll give them, you know, 12. Uh, they'll give them 12 units of. You know, units and and um, and six heroes to come at you. Yep. And basically, it, they either kill all the monsters or you kill all of them. That's the scenario. Just and I like this one because it literally tells you sort of how to pick it out. So you, there's some semblance of almost like balance in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the guy with the monsters picks first. So then you know how many monsters there are, and that'll tell you how big your army should be. Yeah. <laughs> you just play kill them. Yeah, and the setup is different because it's um, essentially like the guys, the first player with all the monsters is in the middle of the board, and then the bone splitters are coming in from the sides, so it's kind of like an ambush. Yeah, the bone splitters' entire deployment zone is within six inches of any board edge. Mm-hmm. So they've got, uh, what, 12 by... So they got twenty feet of board space, but only six inches deep. So they got the six foot side, the four foot, six foot, so twenty foot of space, half an inch deep or half a half a foot deep. And you have the whole rest of the board with your stuff in it. And they're just gonna come plowing in. Uh so a fun scenario there, I mm-hmm. I think. Um and then not to be finished, Gurkak Wartief is out hunting again in the next story, Jaws of the Hunter. Yeah, and they are out chasing herds of gruntas. They go through the Gnarl Gate into the realm of Garan, and and then, somebody... yeah, they, they follow them through the gate because it's always fo- it's always good to follow some gruntas because gruntas sometimes lead you to really cool big beasts. Yeah, and they wander into what may or may not be a trap set by Baudrax the Hunter and his Cornate war host. Okay, this is hysterical. Can I just say that? I was reading this and I and I did I did laugh out loud as I'm reading this. Baudrax the Hunter is a corn lord on Juggernaut with a whole army of juggernauts with him and all these guys who go out and he likes to collect skulls for corn of big monsters because there's nothing corn likes more than the skulls of gargants and terrorgeists and Jabberslites or Jabberslites. And things like that. Big skull. Makes sense, though, right? Skulls for the skull throne. Mm-hmm. Don't just bring him a human-sized head when you could bring him the head of a, of a stone horn, right? He has a personal grudge against Gurgoff Weird Teeth because Gurgoff Weird Teeth, every time he goes out after a pack of monsters to bring the skulls, Gurgoff Weird Teeth beats him there and kills them all, and he takes all the bones. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's upsetting him because it's making him look bad in front of corn. Yeah, he's got a bit of a, I don't know, I would almost call it like, it's jealousy is what it is. And just infuriation that, ooh, that wascoey Gurk hack got to the skull before I did. Oh, absolutely. And so this whole scenario is basically he is, he wants his head. In fact, he said to the point now, for every monster skull that he doesn't get he'll take a hundred uh bone splitter skulls 
mm-hmm. to replace that one monster skull. And this whole battle, he's only got eyes on on the prophet because he's just he's like, I have to get this guy. Like I want him dead. I want his family dead. I want his house burnt to the ground. He's just like, I've got to get this guy. Yeah, and it changes the dynamic for the savage orcs because it puts them more on the defensive initially for how this scenario is and they are very much an aggression based army right so it's a weird flip for them and then there's a group of oryx that get called into the fight um that essentially ambush the ambushers this is great too because first of all the cop ruck is losing they are getting slaughtered and they're mm-hmm. getting closer and closer to their prophet, and he's looking around and he doesn't know what to do. And he can't. And they're they're using the the weird doc ma- uh, dances, and they're not even able to heal these guys quick enough with how bad they're doing. So finally, he just leans back, pulls all the energy he can, and lets out a huge war. And this echoes throughout the battle, like so loud that it echoes throughout the battle. And basically, other tribes of savage orcs who are around but not a part of this tribe hear this, and it calls them to battle. And that's just fantastic. Basically, he's kind of outnumbered. So now when you've got, um, you know, uh, Baudrax surrounding these savage orcs and he thinks he's won the day as he's got he's surrounded them suddenly his circle becomes the inner circle of another group of orcs coming and surrounding him so you've basically got all these orcs in the center the ring of the corn guys and then another ring of orcs around them so now they've got him caught and they just start smashing them. This is this one. I just I, I thought the story was great to find a corn lord who likes to collect big skulls and hates these oryx for getting there first. And it's got to be galling because they seem like such savages and such morons to be shown up by of all things a bunch of savage oryx. It's got to be appalling to the I'm so awesome corn lord. Mm-hmm. I just, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, the scenario plays out in, in a similar sort of fashion. You could read up on it if you want. When, once again, none of these, none of these probably very good for a tournament. Um, no, none of them clo- None of them close to balance. These are all, all way out of whack. Um, but, but they look fun as all get out. Exactly. Lots of fun for you in the basement or in the garage. Absolutely. Um, so let's do this. Let's do this one more uh, story, and let's try to wrap up the uh, wrap up the fluff portion. And then we'll take a break, and we'll come back with uh, ore scrolls and and army bonuses and stuff like that. Um, you want to take Thunderstruck? Yeah. So this one, it's the Bonegrins clan again, um, and they have been following um, the Stormcast Eternals of the Hammers Draconis, which is the extremist chamber for uh, the Hammers of Sigmar. So these are the Golden Boys. Um, and they've been taking what's essentially like a sky road to kind of move quicker over the paths and the savage orcs have been trailing them being like, I want to kill you. I want to kill you. I want to get your skulls and get your bones, but I can't get to you. So what the prophet Gurkak, yes, this would be weird teeth again. What he decides to do. It is still weird teeth, isn't it? It is. 
all okay. So this all of these stories are this one war band. Okay. Yeah, and they're a very nomadic war band. Um, and apparently, they get a lot. Of, they get a lot of killing done. Yeah, and they. If, he finally figures out. You know what? Forget this. I'm just going to ask Gorkamorka to blow up that sky road. And what essentially you have is this great cinematic of the road gets destroyed. It starts falling down, and you get this kind of like um, highway ramp that these. Uh, Dracoth Guard are charging down very much like Helm's Deep style into the waiting arms of these savage orcs that want to rip <laughs> them apart. So it's nice to see that kind of weird visual. And yep. it goes through the fight and they talk about how they're just kicking the teeth into this extremist chamber, which is supposed to be that, you know, the last line and, you know, the best of the best. And they're kicking them in and then they teleport in more. Uh, Stormcast Eternal Foot Troops to kind of start turning the tide back. And all they want to do is get to the Lord Celestint or his Templar to get to their Star Drake and rip the Star Drake apart. So that's kind of what this story goes to. Um, so you have the objective is to, for the Bone Splitters, is to break up and you know beat these guys, obviously. Um, but there's an ambush type of setup where the Snaggerrucks start off the table to form the Horns of the Beast, um, as previously described, is what they do. Right. Um, so anything that would be a part of a Snaggerruck has to be set off to the side, and then it comes in later as the Horns of the Beast. And as the Extremist Chamber, your job is to punch through, so this way you can get out of the trap, essentially. And so. that's that story. Yeah. Um, oh... <laughs> All sorts of fun. You know, every one of these books that comes out is making me want to build one of these armies. Yeah, um, and we've kind of, like, skipped over a lot of, like, the cool story nifty bits with uh, these particular battle plans. But reading up on them, you really get a sense of identity. And it's before it was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, these new models come out. Okay, cool. And then you, like, really see a defined, fleshed out thing and it's like you know what i actually you know that would be really cool to do a whole army of these things because before like tom mcclure is the only guy i have ever known to have a full savage auric army and that was one of my favorite nostalgia memories from like getting started was playing against tom and his savage orcs they were and, and he had that was a when that army worked, it was rough. I've seen him run rough shot over some people with all the bonuses that they got for those big units of savage orcs. Yeah, and now I think this finally does justice to them um, and really shows their true potential for what they could be. And I'm really worried that once Tom gets his hands on this book that we're going to be in for a world of hurt. <laughs> but that's okay. This is This is great. This is one of those things that you've you've been waiting for out of GW for a lot of things is you get excited to play with every single miniature that they put out because they've taken the effort to make them something more than just a miniature. Exactly. And that's, that's the, that's what really, I think that's what is making all of these books such a home run. You know, mm -hmm. we keep, we, you know, we keep coming on book after book and it's like, well, this one's great. Well, this one's great. Well, this one's great. And it's like, don't you dislike any of these books? They haven't lately put out anything to disappoint me. No, because they capture the feel, and maybe part of that is because there's no actual points listed right now in the books. You know, they're still just going with 
story and feel and writing models that uh you know that that sort of their 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 abilities fit the fluff what they do fits you get these um you know these battalions that for better or for worse you know i mean some are better in a in a game than others but they all try to capture that feel for that battalion um and it all plays up to the story like the story is essential even in these battle plans um all three of these battle plans could be really fun um, none of them would uh, are are suited for really competitive play so much as uh, having a really good time. Um, and like I said, you take a little time in advance. I mean, there there is a lot of strategy and a lot. It could it could come down to who plays better, but um, it's it's all everything is angled towards making sure it fits this flavor that they've described. Yeah, um, and it goes back to the three ways to play. Mm-hmm. So they haven't given up on that because they could have just easily done that with the handbook and just say, nope, just do match play. They are still actively encouraging to play all three ways to play this game, which is fantastic. Well, and and now especially and it, it, it might be, it, you know, it might be um, I'm starting to wonder if it might be, as I read the last couple of books, the element of the whole um you know the allegiance abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, it's 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 hard to throw something out like they did with Archeon, where you've got three units, right? And then set up things like allegiance abilities and bonuses if you take all of this, because there's like three things to take. Right. Um, it's even you know it's it's difficult, although Kenny Lull is proving you can do it with the Fire Slayers. You know, and they don't have those those special abilities, but it seems that. At least for these last couple of books, um, and even the uh, the ogre one, the beast um, clause, the yeah. beast clause. You know, um, splitting up the different models. You know, now there's two types of stone horns and two types of uh, of the other one. Um, basically, based on which rider you put on top of it, you had the two options of rider. Now those are their own model, um, and it, it's it's this whole. Uh, try to give them a few more options with a few more units and fit in some special abilities if you stick with that. Um, I mean, what was not even not even six months ago? I mean, how many people were worried about, oh, no, you can only take one, maybe two different forces in your Grand Alliance. You still need to keep everything pure because otherwise it could get way out of balance and, and not work. Um, and it did pretty much work because if you took too many things that they, they, they didn't have that synergy and here now, they're not only saying, listen, if you keep it similar, you'll not only have synergy in the units, but we're going to give you synergy bonuses. Right. So you get this coming together where these these become, you know, I can just, I can mix these with the Iron Jaws. And it'd be just fine. Then it'd be just fine. If But if you want to play themey, here's a bonus. Mm-hmm. And, and I that's love a that. big one for these guys. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it it makes it almost silly to not keep them on their own. Uh, but same thing with the Sylvaneth. It almost makes it silly to mix it up with the other races when they get such great bonuses um, sticking on their own. But you still can. Right, and that's the option. There's so much freedom of choice now. Uh-huh. So that's it's great. No, it's it's really good. I, like I said, I like, what, I like everything we've got so far. So let's do this. Let's... Um, I know we took a break recently, but too bad we got to the end of the fluff, 
and um, what we'll do is we will come back and we'll start talking. Um, well, it's got a little bit more before the actual allegiance abilities, but what else have we got in here that we wanted to hit really quick? Um, actually, no, it just jumps right in with the forces of the bone splitter. So we'll get into the allegiance abilities, the lore of the savage wall, the artifacts of power, and um, then we'll get into the uh, and we'll get into the different scrolls and stuff uh, when we come back. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We are back. Okay. Alex, how you doing? Doing great. Really excited now. Really excited. <laughs> yeah. Oh, th- yeah. This, uh, I love the fluff, and now we're going to get into taking this to the next level and actually turning it on to your game. Um, going over this again, I was looking through it, and there are some things in here, when we get to them, that made me really excited. Certain fluff elements that's just like... Oh, that's awesome. Like, you actually incorporated that into the model's abilities, like stuff you talk about in the, you know, in their fluff, which I think is great. Um, mm-hmm. So, super stoked to get into this. All right. Um, so, just a quick uh, recap for people who haven't been paying attention. Um, since the Sylvaneth book came out, now they've got these allegiance abilities. Um, you know, there's order, chaos, death, destruction. Obviously, your bone splitter army is a destruction army, so you can mix it with other destruction things and still be a destruction army. Uh, if you take your entire army just listed with, if everything in your army has a bone splitters keyword, 
then you can list it instead of as a destruction army as a bone splitter army. And if you have a bone splitter army, um, you get all sorts of little bonuses. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. I tell you what, I'll take the battle traits and you take the command traits. How's that sound? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, first of all, war paint. Um, war paint. You know they've got the little tattoos on them, and this reminds me of once again. Uh, didn't the uh, dwarf slayers have a rule like this too, or did they not? Or was this just the just the um, orcs? I thought slayers had their well. The war dancers had talismanic tattoos um, in last edition. Oh, slayers, the war dancers, not the slayers. That's right. Well, the slayers had a bonus if they were near uh, your favorite doom seekers, uh, the guys <laughs> with the chains. Yeah. Um, and then. The Savage Orcs had these two, uh, got better with the Lucky Shrunken Head back in the day. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, that became, a, the, that became the, uh, the chaos save. They got the five up on everything. Mm-hmm. But here they've got the war paint. Basically, you know, they believe that this works just like armor. It helps protect them. Um, so um, when making a save for a bone splitter, a six, a natural six. Uh, you know what I mean by natural six? I mean, it's an actual six when you roll it, not after you modify it. Yeah. It always is a successful save. So they can, even, you know, rend minus four and they got a save of five, still roll it because a six saves. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you take a mortal wound on a six, the mortal wound is ignored. Um, and I'm assuming that's a, I'm assuming that's a natural six. Yeah. Because it, it doesn't no, say before modifiers, but it says, furthermore, roll a dice each time it suffers a mortal wound. So the furthermore made me think that it was also a natural six, even yeah. though it doesn't say, it doesn't have the before modifiers in parentheses like the other one does, but I'm assuming it's still a six up. Yeah, there's not a lot of things that modify a secondary save yeah. or a save against mortal wound. It's either you have a save against a mortal wound or you don't. Right. But these guys, for the entire crew... To have a six-up save across the army, and as we get into the rest of it, it's really going to take them more from what they are on paper to what they really should be. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's the cool idea that these 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 stupid tattoos can can actually save them. And basically, as long as you have a save, you get a six-up save. Like a six always works. So those guys charging in or hitting you are getting the super bonus with the minus four to the rend. You could take a cannon shot to the face. And chuckle. <laughs> That's just I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. Um that's great. Okay, so what else? Um they've got another one here which is the uh monster hunters. And this one if a bone splitters unit kills a monster in the combat phase then they don't take battle shock tests until your next hero phase. So mm-hmm. it lasts. I mean, if it if it happens on your turn, it's going to last a lot longer than if it happens on your opponent's turn. But until your hero phase, no battle shock tests, which is important because if they have a weakness, it is crummy uh, bravery, which can be augmented. They've got a lot of augments to their brave, you know, to the that they can use. But it's still a lot of fives and sixes on this army. Yeah, it gets better when they're in combat because they have bone totems across the army, and that's something that they all have. It's the same standard. Not every is, unit has it, but any unit that can take a standard, yeah, gets a plus two if they're within three inches of an enemy. So they have to be in. Once you're in combat, you don't run as much. No. Once you, so that's yeah. a big deal. 
Um, and then you got this. Uh, okay, if a bone splitter unit is chosen to make its attacks and is within three inches of an enemy monster, you roll a dice and see what happens. Now, this is interesting because it doesn't have to actually be attacking the monster. If right. your unit is within three inches of the monster, though, roll a d6 before you attack or before you pile in. Uh, the unit can pile in six inches this phase instead of three inches, which could mean that you start attacking multiple things. Mm-hmm. Um, on a three to four, you've got stab, stab, stab. Reroll failed wound rolls for models that direct their attack against a monster, which once again, you know, you're within three inches, so something's going to be piling in on that monster probably. Rerolling failed wound rolls on a f- three to four. On a five to six... Uh, every time you roll a wound roll of six or more against a monster, they take more, a mortal wound in addition to the normal damage. Mm-hmm. So that's their special abilities. Basically, um, if you're near a monster, roll a dice and you'll get bonuses. You always get a six-up save. You well, don't always get a six-up save. If you have a save and you roll a six, it always saves. If you take mortal wounds, you get a six-up save against mortal wounds. And then, uh, and then that whole, if you kill a monster, you can ignore Battleshock tests, which is helpful because monsters tend to do a lot of damage. Although, if you go through this, there's a whole lot of different things you can take that can actually slow down the monster's attacks or stop the monster's attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's, <laughs> there's just a lot of cool little things in here. I don't know how great they'd work necessarily in a tournament. But uh, showing up and having a having a game against your friends, and suddenly you've got all these little bonuses is uh, can 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 you know it's the little things in this game that can really turn the tide. Yeah, it's not the giant magic phase. It's not the big thing. It's that little bonus here and that little bonus there, and these guys have a ton of them. Yeah, and with the resurgence of monsters in a lot of armies, since you can free mix more, you're gonna get these bonuses more regularly than you think. Uh huh. And don't even get to wild abandon. That's the only one that says it doesn't have to be directed at the monster. So it gives you a lot more room because these models are on big bases. So that makes a big difference, even if there's just a monster nearby, to get them engaged with more things and start crumping more. Right. It makes a big difference for them. Exactly. So uh, why don't you take the command traits? Now, hey, are you a fan of just picking or rolling? Because I. Narrative play, I prefer to pick. Competitive play, I prefer to roll. Okay, um, I can see that. I, I'm I'm a person who I prefer to roll uh, most of the time. Uh, if you're playing narrative, I, I guess picking uh, picking could be fine. Um, I, I I hear the arguments from other people saying, "What if you roll up something that's completely useless to you? It's terrible." You know, and I get that, but dems to breaks. If you could just pick. I mean, there's one in particular here that I would probably pick almost every time. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, if I can just pick, then unless they're all really... And I think that's the problem. Unless they're all really evenly powered and equally worth, you know, have an equal value, then you just wind up everybody picks the same thing all the time. And that's the boring thing. Yeah, you don't get challenged to adapt and make the most out of your new ability instead of just... I'm going to take the optimal thing every time. Same thing with items. But right. if you're doing something narrative, you're not necessarily going to do the optimal. You're going to do what's thematic. Right. So 
that's just how I kind of look at it. But I mean, everyone do your own thing, guys. I mean, yeah. Play what you want. There's no right or wrong I've way actually, to do this. I've actually been considering for the next tournament at UGG if we're gonna if we're gonna allow the allegiance abilities is that because it's only three games you can pick, but you can't pick the same thing twice. That's fair. So then suddenly you you, you and you and you've got half the field to choose from because it's only a three game. It's a one day three game event. Right. You, you got six choices. So if there's something that's completely terrible, you can avoid it. But that awesome thing, you get it once. Mm-hmm. So see who you're up against, make your pick, and then, then, you know, you hope that that was the right one that you don't need it even more later. Yeah. So it's the risk reward. Right. So why don't we go through these? What uh, what do we got here? Okay. So like every other command trait, you pick or roll a d6 to see what you get. Um, on the one, it's squirmy war paint. So the general ignores mortal wounds on a four up instead of a six which is a big difference because a lot of times they're going to get targeted with spells because they're probably going to be near to the back or midfield because this is usually going to go on a profit. Right. So he's not going to be the first guy in there. Um, Profit of the Wah, which is while your general is alive, you can reroll the first failed Battleshock test for friendly bone splitters in each Battleshock phase. It does not give a minimum distance. So this affects your whole table as long as you're the first failed alive. test. So it depends on actually who your opponent's attacking, really. Yeah, it's the first well, for, first yeah, failed yeah, test. The first so as long fail. as you pass a test, you're fine. But that first one that fails, no matter where on the board, you get to reroll it. It's nice. Yeah, it's a nice little kick. It's it's not a fifty percent ward save on mortal no. wounds. See no. that you know that's just so good, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that one's good. Or there's another one down here that I like a bit. Um, great hunter. When your general kills a monster in the combat phase, it can immediately pile in and attack again. That'll be great if you have a big boss. If you have a prophet, maybe not so much. Uh, kill an instinct each time you roll a wound of six or more. That attacker is resolved at a rend of negative three. Again, better on a big boss. Still fine on a uh, prophet. They have a lot of attacks. Well, and with that great hunter, if you happen to be going against a monster and you rolled that one or two on wild abandon where you can pile in six, mm-hmm. if you manage to kill it, I mean, because if you kill it, that's off the board. You've got to be something within. So having a six-inch range suddenly, yeah, it's like that gives you a much better chance because suddenly that giant footprint disappeared. It's like, am I nearest enough to something? That's the thing that makes that really iffy, you know? You yeah. know, if you take it away and suddenly there's nothing nearby, that's a wasted ability. But if you've got that wild abandon, if that happens to be the one, and I know I'm p- pointing out scenarios where you know if this roll happens and then that roll happens and then this roll happens, that's really good and that's always high, ri- you know, low probability. But I'm just saying. Yeah. No, it's a big deal. And this this next one, the Wamonger, is the one that I would, if I was to pick, I would be the one picking this. All friendly bone splitters within an inch or within ten inches of the general when they charge add one to their charge roll. They all have a musician, with the exception of the stabas. Um, they all have a musician that does the same thing, which gives them another plus two to their charge roll. So you're adding plus three to your charge, which is a considerable distance. Yeah. For, so you've got your movement plus de- wait. Your movement plus three plus two d six. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> so on average, you're going to be at about 8 plus 2d6 or whatever a boar is, plus 3 plus 2d6. So you've yeah. got a long 
threat range realistically but yeah. it's all within 10 inches of general um i mean then basically this, yeah it becomes a 12 inch threat range becomes a 15 inch threat range for a lot of these guys yeah so, so. you're gonna get into combat and they're really weak against shooting so this augments one of their weaknesses but it doesn't make them obnoxious right um and then monster killer instead of rolling on the monster hunters table the general can pick the result so i mean that would likely be um either stab stab or berserk strength just depends on what you need at that time right so a lot of options there yeah um none of them overpowering none of them really i I look at and go oh my goodness although i me being the type of player i am i i keep looking at that four up save against mortal wounds especially if you sit down against around across the table from an army that because there's certain armies that just they deliver the mortal wounds everything's got a bonus of a mortal wound and if you if you've got that suddenly it's like oh i got a Mm -hmm. 50 50 shot to keep him just completely out of the mess so i like that one a lot yeah all right so those are the abilities and now they've got uh the lore of the savage war and mm-hmm. let's see. Um, okay, each wizard in a bone splitter army knows an additional spell from the Savage War spell lore. Um, so whatever you know, you know, and you have. It doesn't mean you cast an extra spell, but you know an extra spell, and that's always a bonus. Yeah, especially if you're playing match play and you get the rule of one, where you can only do one of any given spell. And with the amount of wizards that you're going to put down with a Savage Auric army you're going to get a lot of options. Exactly. Um, now, for this one, how, what are you thinking uh, tournament-wise? Uh, I would definitely roll a d6. You're rolling a d6. Exactly. Okay. Uh, playing playing uh, matched, or not match play, but just playing uh, narrative play? Would you... Narrative play, I would probably just go with whatever my opponent is cool with. I don't have a particular preference on the spells, it's the command abilities and items where narrative you should be picking, but pick fun, don't pick power. Right, I agree. Because yeah, I'd probably just roll anyway. I and mean, we, we, I'm so used to rolling my spells, yeah, um, from before that I would just be like, oh, if we're just playing a game, unless there's a reason not to, I'd be rolling my spells. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Uh, I'll take the first one here: the Squiggly Curse, casting value six. Pick a hero or monster within 20 inches and roll a die. On a 1, it takes a mortal wound. On a 6, it takes D6 mortal wounds. And on everything else, it takes D3 mortal wounds. Right. And if you kill it, you can add 1 to any further cast- casting attempts made by the caster during the battle. Yeah. So for the rest I... of the battle, if you kill something with the squiggly curse, you get plus 1 to all your castings. Yeah, this is something that Warzag had in the last edition. And then it's important to note with the double bonus on this one, the target suffers an additional D3 mortal wounds. So you could be at a looking potential of two to nine mortal wounds in one shot, yeah. depending on how you roll. So this is a quite a bit of a damage spell. You know, yep. that's that's awesome. Um, why don't you take the hand? Yeah, the hand of Gork or possibly Mork. Um, this is something that a lot of people are going to be very familiar with the concept. Um, so basically casting value six, pick a bone splitters unit. It does not have a minimum range or a maximum range between the caster and the unit. That unit doubles how far it can move and can fly in your next movement phase. So you kind of skip hop, jump over terrain. And if the casting was a double and cast successfully, you can triple. So boars moving 27 inches turn one. Sure. Um, that's neat. So 
that's something that is still very prevalent. So it makes up for that deficiency of we suck at range. Oh yeah, by the way, I'm right next to you, and I just rolled a double. Yeah. Merry Christmas. There's a lot of this moving quickly stuff going on here. Adding to your adding to your pylons, adding to stuff like that, getting these guys into combat fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, number three, the brutal beast spirits. Another casting value of six. Uh, pick a bone splitter unit within 18 inches, and until the next hero phase. Oh, I like this. Add one to all run, all charge, all hit rolls. So to run, to charge, and to hit, plus one until your next hero phase. If you roll a double, you can immediately make a second unit Get the, do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, okay, doubles means two guys. Ro- running, charging, and hitting. So... The whole idea of get, getting up there fast, you add a one to it. Mm-hmm. Plus, on the charge, man, okay, a plus one from the spell, a plus two from the totem, a plus one if you're near your general. Yeah. Suddenly you're at a plus four. I mean, yeah. a lot of these things, when you put it down, you have to be at least nine inches away. Okay. So now I need a five? Yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah. Easy peasy. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, next one's Bone Crusher. Um, so this one, it talks about it's striking like a Maw Crusher. So this is pretty much just like a gigantic boulder hit. Um, and it gets weaker the further it is away. So it's a casting value six. Uh, pick a unit within 24 inches. Um so if the target is within 6 inches, they take D6 mortal wounds. If they're within 6 and 12, it's D3. If they're more than 12, it takes a wound. And if you have a casting roll that was a double and spells cast successfully, you can double the number of mortal wounds inflicted. But then the caster also takes D3 mortal wounds. Because sometimes your head's going to pop. Yeah, but you have a 6 save against mortal wounds. So it kind of mitigates it a little bit. But still, the potential of doing 2d6 mortal wounds and you just take one or two, that's pretty okay. Yeah. No, it's – I'm i am liking it. Um, what else we got here? The Cunning Beast Spirits. This is the first one that gets no, no doubles. Mm-hmm. It's still cast on a six. Cast it. Pick a unit within 18 inches. And until your next hero phase, your opponent has to reroll all hit rolls of six or more against that unit. Which is great, because not only are they taking away rolls of six or more, um, which if you add one, now it's six or more. <coughs> so if you if you get a plus one to roll, does it like if you if you get a plus one, does that mean five or mores? All uh, re rolls are taken before modifiers are applied. So this one is naturals. So natural six reroll, which is a big deal, especially for like well, a retro six or mob. more. That's why I was wondering if that includes the modifiers. Yeah, but because with, of, then you're applying a mo- the only way to get more than a six is if you have a modifier. Yeah, so this one's going to be a gray area because you get the re you have to do all your rerolls before modifiers are applied as per the main four pages. But then this one implies something different. Okay, so we have a question on this one. Mm-hmm. So this is one that we should go to the Facebook page and ask about, just like, and you and I had this conversation before you came on the air, and I think I talked about it before you came on the air with the audience. Um, questions like this, send them on the Facebook page, because that's where they're going to be adding FAQ stuff, 
and that's where they're going to make adjustments is from questions there. Um, either way, re-rolling these to hit rolls. Sixes are where a lot of times you do your mortal wounds. Yeah, or get extra attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, and now so, you have to re-roll those. Mm-hmm. So it makes them a little less effective, which is, all right, yeah, that's cool. It, it's taking that edge off again. It's nothing super strong. It's not the best spell. But since six or more is 90% of the stuff that, that, that does, the, it's taking away their edge. Mm-hmm. All those little bonuses that they get on the six or more, suddenly the odds of the, them having that are gone. And I'll take that. I will yeah. take that. Absolutely. Okay. Let's have Gork of Morka's War cry, brother. Okay. This one is casting value seven. Ooh. So you pick. Oh, yeah. Big numbers now. You pick a unit with an 18. Uh, roll a dice and add the caster's bravery to the result. So it's um, a contested bravery roll. I roll and you roll, and we both add our bravery to our roll. Yeah. And the prophets and the other shamans are seven. So you're. Or seven or eight if it's the prophet. And then. Your opponent rolls the dice, handing their bravery. If you equal or are higher than your opponent, then they take D3 wounds, or D3 mortal wounds, and is stunned, which then means that unit halves the distance it can move, run, and charge, and cannot be chosen to make attacks until after all other units have attacked. So, so that's kind of good, because they're going last, which means any combat you're in with them... You can wait to attack them until later. They're never going to get their shots in at you. You can focus elsewhere on the board. Or if you are throwing multiple units into one thing, these guys can't do anything, so they have to take the full brunt of your attack before they get to swing if you are able to pick on one unit. Exactly. Like a retributor unit that teleports in and doesn't get to your caster that has this. Suddenly they can't do anything as they have to take every attack you can throw on them before they get to swing. Absolutely, and that that's that's great because, when, like I said, yeah, you can uh, and you can hold that till the end too. You can make sure that other units that maybe you didn't want, and because we've all had that when you're playing, you have to choose between okay, who am I going to attack with first, you know, and try to get my attacks in before I get hit. Well, suddenly mm-hmm. this unit and everything you've piled into it is not a factor in that decision, right? Because they're taking it all. I like this. I like this spell. Uh, once again, all of these are are small, but ev- there's so many little things in here that add up. Mm-hmm. So that's what's pretty cool about it. Um, you know what? Let's do the artifacts real quick, and then we'll take a break. So cool. let's uh, go through this. Now, if you have a hero, one hero can take an artifact. If that hero is a wizard, you can choose an arcane treasure instead. And you can take one additional hero can take an artifact for every War Scroll Battalion in your army. So if you take extra battalions, then you get extra heroes with artifacts. Uh, since nobody can duplicate, it's basically a maximum of six. Yeah, well, well 12, twelve, I guess, because it says an additional hero, and if that hero's a wizard, it goes back. To, so you could literally have, and because you, you have a lot of wizards in this army. Yeah, and when we get further into it, you're going to have a lot of battalions in these armies as well. So you're going to get a lot of items. No reason um, not to take these battalions. I mean, because you're going to no. be taking these units anyway. Right. That's a, and we'll get to that conversation when we talk about battalions. Um, so Because looking- most of the battalions, as I've noticed, I thought was cool, was basically you have the first big battalion, which is one of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, if you really want to take one of everything, you know, everything we talked about. So you get that full skull. You got the, the dude. You got the cops, the teeth, 
the everything. Um, and then there's a couple others, and I know one of them's missing one of them. One of them doesn't have cunning in it, I think. Um, but other than that, everybody's got that. And if you take everything, then you get extra bonuses on top of that because you don't have to take everything, but you can. So mm-hmm. suddenly you're suddenly the War Scroll Battalion is taking, you know, five or six War Scrolls in it. And so it's like, oh, I got lots of magical doodahs. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of items with Bone Splitters, which is just fine by me. Yep. So let's start with the glowing tattoos, the first magical artifact that your hero can get. Uh, add one to any save roll. That's okay. It's not bad. No. Um, they don't have great saves, and but, you know, this and being in terrain suddenly mm-hmm. turns your fives to threes. I don't think anybody's got better than a five. I think every almost everything's got a six. In fact, literally every unit has a six except the prophet who has a five. Yeah. So when you're talking about crummy saves, this army's got them because they're running in naked. I mean, the six yeah. is their tattoos. So a plus one, maybe not so bad. Uh, I'd probably pick something else, but I ain't going to complain. Yeah. Um, next one, you get the dragon tooth, which is you pick one of their melee weapons to be a dragon tooth, and it inflicts double damage against monsters each time the wound roll is five or more. So not good, not great. Should be on a big boss. Yep. A lot, and I, I've noticed that about most of these. There, there's nothing that stands out, or I mean, there's a few of them that stand out that you go, wow, I got to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they work... It's like they all. They, well, once again, it's it's all these little tiny. It's 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 the thousand cuts going on here. Mm-hmm. There's a bajillion of these orcs, and they're all hitting you with something. And right. it's it's adding in that extra wound here and that extra wound there, especially on a twenty wound monster. You know, one extra wound here or there per round is taking out that level of their ability to move, their ability to do things. Right. And so these all add up. I mean, there's, you know, if you have anything that's too powerful, I could see it being a, a real drag to the player who's got a lot of these monsters or things like that. But these little extras there, it doesn't feel, it doesn't seem as bad until you've got six guys doing stuff like this. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of things you're going to have to keep track of. So this is going to be a very bookkeeping intensive army. Yeah. Uh, in fact, as I was even looking in and putting together little lists and, and jokingly kind of seeing what I could put together, I'm like, I need a crib sheet with this. I need a a, a list of things to not forget. Yeah. All right. Uh, the the Weepwood Big Shiv. So this is made from Weepwood. Uh, pick a hero's, pick one of the hero's melee weapons. Just like to be the Dragon Tooth, you pick one to be the Weepwood Big Shiv. Plus one to the attack characteristic, and add another one each time the Weepwood Big Shiv kills a monster. So that's not going to happen that many times during a game. But if you can get in there on a good charge in the beginning, you know, with your you know double and triple charge, mm-hmm. get in there, hit something hard. Um, this, and this is definitely one that you want to you know use that weapon last. Yeah. Get it in there and get that killing blow, and suddenly it's like, boom, there's another plus one, and another one attack. Mm-hmm. So it's not bad. No, it's not at all. All right, let's um, hear about this Doc Juice. This one's a big deal. I um, like this one a lot. This one makes up for the crummy save. Um, so basically the hero can drink the Doc Juice in each one of their hero phases, um, and they roll a D6. On a one, they take a mortal wound. Two through five, they heal D3 wounds, and on a six, they heal D6 wounds. Every yep, sure. turn. 
yeah, that's another Every one. Every hero phase. That's why you don't get to just pick. Of course, if you got about five or six heroes, if you roll, you can't have more than one. So as soon as you get one and roll a double, someone's getting this. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, that's great. Because even if you roll the one, you got a chance to roll a save on a six up. Right. So it's not super bad news. Not as bad. Okay, the Savage Trophy. Uh, plus one bravery to bravery. Bav- what is bravery? I don't know. Plus is that one- like a cream? <laughs> I think so. To blave, which obviously means to bluff. Um, so plus one to the bravery characteristic of all friendly bones, bone bone splitters. I cannot speak. I've it's lost okay. the ability. Too much caffeine today. Uh, to all models within twelve inches of the bearer during the battle shock phase. So a plus one bravery brave. Wow. Wow. Ten points, Dave. I seriously. I'm not doing this on purpose either. I'm just motarded. Um with the bonus to the with the what is it, the totem bonus? Yeah. yeah. It gives you the plus two bravery. So yeah. this you know, this actually isn't a bad thing to have around one of your heroes. Because suddenly those bravery six units can suddenly with their Bonus be bravery nine, right? And then you got twenty models in the unit, and boom, you're 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 maxing out. Mm-hmm. Or is it Absolutely. is it at ten? You get a plus one. It's every ten, right? It's every full ten you have, and there's no cap, right? So if you have like a mob of like thirty or something, you're looking at bravery twelve ish when you get into the battle shock, which is oh, that's right. There's no more rule of ten, is there? No. So you can get maniac high bravery with this army when the time comes. <laughs> All right. And what about the lucky bone? And I'm just just let's leave that. Let's just tell them what it does. They're just lucky. Um you can re-roll any run rolls, hit rolls, wound rolls, save rolls, and damage rolls of one. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. Now the only trick on this is if it's something like a D three damage. Do you re-roll the damage value of one, or is it the dice value of one? Well, it says on any rolls of one, so I'm assuming it's an actual one. Yeah, and that's fine, too. It's just whether or not it's a one-two, because it would be well, one because, damage. But, but that's not a wound roll, is it? Well, it says damage roll. No, it's... Oh, and a damage roll. Oh. I would assume... Well, if it's a D3... A there one was, to two is a one. Yeah, and that would be a well. Hmm. Hey, that's a good question. I would Facebook. assume it was just a natural one, but yes, there's a I next, would my too. next my next Facebook question, and that's on the lucky on the lucky bone, lucky bone. All right, um, I do like that one though. Of uh, the, if 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 somebody already had the doc juice, I'd be trying to give someone you know the big guy the the lucky bone, the next mm-hmm. guy. Uh, a couple of these are really great. Let's jump over to the uh, Arcane Treasures. Okay, so your wizard can start off with a Juju Whatnots. Um, and this is great. It's just it's a bunch of his, his Juju stuff. It's his, it's his mojo. It's his uh, mm-hmm. magic stuff. Every time the bearer successfully casts a spell and the casting roll was a double, they can immediately attempt to cast another spell, and this doesn't count towards their cap. Right. So here is a great thing because already doubles are giving you a bonus. 
and you already know at least one extra spell. Mm-hmm. So you could really sit in there and try to. Now, granted, you can only cast one spell. You know, per you can only cast any spell once per phase. So you have to really decide: Do I want to cast this spell now with this guy, or say no because I want someone else to try and cast it? I guess that's right. the only thing. Now, is it successful cast or just attempted cast? Is that what's the rule on that? Well, it's successfully casting a spell, and they can then attempt to cast again. So, no, 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 what I'm go. talking about is, um, let's say I try to cast Arcane Shield. Yeah, and I fail. Can anybody else attempt to cast it, or is it one attempted cast? It's one attempt. Okay, so there you go. So. I mean, if a lot of these guys, you'll find they only have like your your really basic, uh, your your lowest level of your shamans only know like two spells. Yeah, you know. So this so. is really good on a profit, but the profit can already swing two spells at smaller points games when you're not going to have as many wizards. This is going to be a much bigger deal, right? Yeah, because um, that's so, the only that's my that's the only thing that I'm thinking is a limit. Now, granted, with a bunch of wizards and everybody having a different spell, um, that could totally uh, help out. Hold on, I got a call coming in. I'm going to take a break. Give me one second. I got a call coming in. Go go. Hello. So I'm sorry. Where did we leave off? And we'll just uh, big spirit stick. Okay. All right. So it's on you. So big spirit stick. Let's hear about it. Okay. So this one you. Pick one of the wizard's melee weapons to be the stick. Um, you add one to the attack's characteristic of that weapon. Um, add two if they direct all their attacks against a monster. You're probably going to want this to be their staff or stick as appropriate. It's a big spirit stick, so let's use our common sense here and don't give it to the squig. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so it's a cool little item. You can do a, potentially a lot of damage with the staffs now. You know, if you squeeze the squig... And you squeeze him hard enough, you get those fingerprints in him, he could become elongated and look like a stick. So how about number three, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> oh, as long as I don't have to say bone splitters or some, or, or whatever that other word was. I Bavery? Can, Bavery, yes. Okay, Mork's bony bits. Oh, dear goodness. Okay, I want credit for just being good about all these names, by the way. Mork's Bony Bits. Uh, add one to the casting roll for each monster within 24 inches. Boom. That's big. Yeah. Because, I mean, a two-foot radius bubble around you, you could seriously be adding anywhere from two to four on a lot of these armies. Especially Beast Claws, because they can take those big critters as core. Oh, yeah. Or battle line, I should say. So... You could be looking at like plus five, plus six to your casting values. People with arachnoroks and the big dracoths and things like that. Anything that's got a monster label. Yeah, this is a lot of stuff now. So, I mean, of- literally. I mean, does it does it say that a two always fails in the rules on casting? It doesn't say anything always fails on casting. So if you got enough of these guys around you, I mean, if you've got four monsters around you, you pretty much are guaranteed to cast every spell you have. Yeah, and it I makes mean, unless your, someone unless someone obviously dispels it, but it makes your mediocre numbers almost Im, you know very hard to dispel, and your medium to highs almost impossible sure. to dispel. So this is like getting into Nagash level territory as for far the bonus as, here. As far as shoving your spells down your opponent's throat, that's a good one. Oh yeah, 
especially with the numbers you throw out in this. Hey, I've army. always I've always put a lot of value on the bony bits, so <sighs> I, I'm just saying. I I know I know. Okay, so I, it's your turn. The great Zappa squig. This one is the same thing. You give the squig a little extra juice because he's a little fatter than the extra squigs. Um, so you get to know an additional spell chosen at random from the lore of the Savage Wah. And this so, one says you have to, by rolling a die. Yeah, this one says you have to consult it randomly, which is fine. Because then you're getting characters that know upwards of like five spells. Yep. And that then creates more options for you for casting. So yeah. and if and it yeah, because suddenly then those rolling doubles and getting extra spells, this is the kind this is the guy who suddenly it's like, Oh well, he's got a bunch of spells that no one else has. So I'll cast the common spell first and if I double down, boom, jump to getting the special spells. Or vice versa, you know. These are these are good. I like them. All right, the yeah. the big wargog mask. Um, and this ancient mask is all that's left of Big Wargog, one of Gorkamorka's greatest prophets. Um, so you you wear this and you tap into his power and you shoot green bolts from your eyes. Um, so once per game during the hero phase, you can unleash the power. Pick a unit within twelve inches, and that unit takes D three mortal wounds. You can then continue to stare at the unit. Roll a die. On a three or more, it's another three D3 mortal wounds. On a one or two, you die. And you can continue this until you die or decide to stop staring. So I stare at you in D3 mortal wounds, and as long as I feel like betting heavy to win heavy, I can just keep doing it. Or if I'm down to, say, one wound left. There's no reason to stop. Then you don't bother to stop. I'm just going to... Open my eyes, stick some toothpicks under the lids, and stare at you until I die, or you die. Yeah, this is potential like game one, like wiping a unit. This reminds me of foot. Yes, very much. <laughs> this reminds me of foot, dude. I stared at him and I got he rolled it like five times in a row. Mm-hmm. You could stare down a monster. You can stare down anything. I just stared down Archeon. Yeah, that'd be okay too. That'd be that for so sure. dumb. That would be a story. It'd be a great story. Maybe not for Archeon, but <laughs> I think just... I think at that point, even the Archeon players would be like, "All right, you know what? That was cool." Yeah. No, that was yeah. That was like when Dan Heelan rolled uh, six sixes in a row on saves uh, with his <laughs> slan against my army when I played him at Adepticon, and he started apologizing. I'm like, why are you apologizing? You you can count it as a one if you're that sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. Don't apologize. Six sixes in a row for saves. Like, I just, like, I, okay, whatever. But this would be great. Just rolling that three or better over and over and getting a lot of, a lot of the higher D3s. Oh, mm-hmm. I would totally so have much. fun with this. I would have so much fun with this. Wait till the guy loses a couple of wounds and he may die anyway. And just, or, you know, if you've got a couple of guys. You know that the 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 guys who have the the weaker wait who's who am I thinking of um, the wardock the wardock who's only knows who can only do one spell and he only knows arcane bolt and magic shield plus whatever he gets give it to a wardock mm-hmm. you got five of them in your army anyway yeah there's throw him no- up there he's you know what he is he's the uh, um, the grenade that we, remember Christopher uh, with, with the fire lore I think it was. 
Yeah. Take the guy, roll up there, uh, double six, you know, six dice monkey it, explode your guy, just run him up there and blow stuff up because you know he's going to die because he's a level one wizard. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Throw this on a war dock and just run him up and stare down something. You got a couple of wounds on it. Okay, now it's time. Hey, get Larry. All right, Larry. <laughs> stare at that guy. Don't stop looking at him. That, oh, I love it. I just story wise, I love it. With my luck, I'd roll a one like on the first roll. I'd get, I'd get, I'd do one yeah. wound and roll a one. But still, that's just too funny. Yeah, this one is weird because I always seem to find the one and two bait type things that have a bad effect. So this one is really hinky for me. But it's right up your alley, though. You know you're going to do it. You know you're going to love it. I know, and I'm going to chuckle all the way to the bank. You know what I want to get one. though? I want to make. I want to see somebody make because these guys their heads explode, right? I mean, that's what it says happens. Mm-hmm. I just want to see someone throw some, get make some like exploded head templates. Or something that looks like exploded head things that they could, like, oh, this is where they died and just put down all the guys who die with the exploding heads. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, there's a lot of creative people out there who do other, who make all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You know, why not that? All right. So let's hear about the wa- Mystic Wah paint. Yeah. Now, this is war paint laced with psychoconductive fungal slime that opens the shaman's mind more it's this way you can get more gorka morka juice into his face okay wait um, a minute psychoconductive fungal slime yes it's a very technical term i know mushroom yeah, slime because you know that these that these guys call this mushroom poop i don't know if i would call it mushroom poop so much as like mushroom juice okay okay well, whatever, but you know it's going to be something way, gross. It's going to be something slimy, scrapes it off a mushroom before you eat it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they, I, know, I know that's what we're calling it, but I'm trying to picture what they call it because I doubt it's psychoconductive fungal slime, although it would be hysterical if these mm-hmm. guys walk around, Oi, got it. <laughs> what's, what's that, boss? Psychoconductive fungal slime. You know, they'd kill him. They'd burn him right there. Something wrong with him. Well, I mean, you know, they're kind of weird. They're got the, they talk to the gods anyway. So maybe that's just what Gork said it was. In which case, I'd really start to wonder anyway. They repeat it, and they don't even know what it means. That's what it is. Is that stuff? <laughs> um. So what this does is you add one to all unbinding rolls made by the wizard, and in addition, they can attempt to unbind spells if they are within twenty-four inches of the casting wizard instead of eighteen. That's um, big. That is. That is a much bigger difference. So you're staying in a spot where they can't dispel your spells, but you can dispel theirs. Exactly. So. And you know what? The the truth is I've played in enough games where it's not until turn three or four that anyone's even trying to stop. They're not even ranged to stop what I'm casting, you know, mm-hmm. so often. That extra six inches is huge. Yeah. Because a lot of wizards will usually stay in the back. So, or at least I like to think that six inches is huge, but once again... It is a huge difference. It is. It's a third. It's a third. It's an extra third. So mm-hmm. there we go. I love it. So there's the, that's all. That's everything. All right. So let's take a break because we've been going forever. And uh, when we come back, we will talk. Uh, let's hit the War Scrolls first and then hit... The battalions. So let's talk right. about what the individual units are, and then let's start lumping them together. Because the battalions in this, um, I mean, they're not 
they're not powerhousey, but they're good. But they're pretty like they're all decent. Like there's nothing in here that screams, you know, it's going to break it or you have to take it in your in your uh in your uh in your list for a tournament. But man, these are the little things if if you got the points to spend on it and if it works, adding in with getting all the extra, you know, extra artifacts and extra magic items and suddenly you're you're nickel and diming your opponent to death. So Mm-hmm. We'll come back, we'll look at these and get this going. There was always something strange about Gurkak's teeth. Whenever the shaman bit into something, his chomper spoke to him, whispering the spirit secrets held within the meat and bone. After a while, he figured out that some meals had more to say than others, and that if he took a beast's bones, its magic could be his. Abandoning his clan, Gurkak became a bone splitter, and it wasn't long before he had a following of equally deranged boys hanging off his every word, helping him hunt down the really big monsters he wanted to sink his fangs into. So began Gurkak's great hunt, a rampage across the realms that has seen creatures both great and small added to his tally of bone-cage spirits. Every day, Gurkak talks to Gorkamorka, and every day, the great green god guides him to where monsters and bestial armies gather. With each savage victory, his bone-splitter war clan grows larger, as does its bounty of slain beasts. And we is back. We is back. We is. Yes, we are. All right, so let's go through the scrolls here. No more pictures. They've decided to forego the pictures and just do the little half-page scroll, which I have no beef with. No. Keep it on fewer pages. I don't want to be flipping page after page after page. Yeah, and this you can actually like photocopy if you wanted and cut into smaller cards just so it's quicker reference. But this is still very quick. Yeah, I like it. All right. Um, most of our heroes here have six wounds, except for the war doc, who's got five. Mm-hmm. Um, they all move five inches, except for the one on the boar, obviously, moves nine. Yep. And um, six up save and seven bravery on everyone except for the Wargog Prophet, who's a five up save and eight bravery. So it's all pretty similar stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with the Prophet. Yeah. Um, so he's got a lot more of attacks than a basic wizard. He gets two from his stick, two from his knife, and more from the squiggly beast at his feet, which is really cool. Um, he's got a potential to deal a lot of damage, um, especially combined with some items. He's got a mask that says that you have to subtract any, any uh, subtract one from any hit rolls that target him in the combat phase, which then prevents that six from doing damage because it changes it to a five. Yep. So that does a lot uh he can cast, pl- oh, unless they've got a plus one but then again you know then you're, you're still can- canceling out so much yeah so you're you're helping yourself and every little bit helps with these guys um as a wizard they can cast and unbind two spells 
Um, so they know the basic two, and then fists of gork. So it's an eight value. So this one's pretty high, but they get to pick an enemy unit and roll a dice for each model that they can see. So the models themselves don't have to be within 18 inches, but the unit itself has to be within 18. So you just have to get within. And then it has to be in line of sight. And you can pretty yeah. much see anyone in the unit that's not around a corner or behind a tree. So yeah. you're going to get and, most of them. And these guys are pretty tall, so you've got a little extra line of sight there. Um, so you roll a dice for each one of them, and on a six, they take a mortal wound. But if the casting value was a double, it's now a five or more. They take a mortal wound. So you're going to take off a third or a sixth of the unit. Um, just on average, if it's one wound models, which is a big deal. Yep. And so he's got these three plus at least one more from the from the uh, the savage lore. From the savage lore, so he can cast two out of five spell out of four spells. Um, if you've got that magic item and he doubles down, mm-hmm. rolling those doubles, it's like, it's it's so funny that doubles mean so much for this army with their magic. Yeah. You know, oh, that's a Goocher. You roll doubles, you know? Mm-hmm. And it gives them a lot more character, too, because it's like that chancy, dicey type of thing where you get really excited about every roll. Yep. Which and is kind of what they play to. Well, there's another thing where if it works, they get more excited. The orcs mm-hmm. around them start screaming more. They start getting more into the battle, and it gives them that chance to keep doing the magic. It can get out of control and out of handle really fast. The more excited and run around and, and, and fun that they're having. Yeah. And then his command ability is probably one of the coolest ones. Um, you just pick up Bone Splitters unit within 15 inches and it gets to pile in an attack for free in your hero phase. Cool. Especially if it's like Big Stabbers or something else. These guys are going to put out a lot of damage in the hero phase, which is a very unique thing to them. And um, so the double turn for these guys are going to be very dangerous, especially in mid to late game when you're going to be in combat. Um, so these guys are a big deal for the army itself. Yep. It's just great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun. Uh, everything is flavorful in this. Like, like we've been saying, um, yeah, it's, it's playing to, it's playing to the fluff in the writing, uh, how, these things that they can do, and not worrying about so much about, oh, you know, should they be able to do this? Or that? Hey, this is what we said they can do until they're doing it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, what's next? Uh, this is the Savage Big Boss. So this is the guy that runs around with the flint great axe. Um, five attacks, threes by threes, two damage and one rend. Not bad. No, this guy can kick out a lot of attacks. Especially with some of the items that we've talked about before, we get some more attacks with that particular item. So this guy can put out a world of hurt. Um, and the, after he attacks, you can pick another unit within ten inches of him, and they can immediately pile in an attack if it's within three inches of the enemy and hasn't attacked yet. So attacking with this guy gives you that. Now you're, you're attack. You get to attack with a whole extra unit. Yeah. Um. In a, in an extra place, even because they only got to be within ten inches. Mm-hmm. So, so this gives you a lot of flexibility and jumping turn order, especially on attacks, is a big deal. Yeah, and uh, once again, he goes in and does a wound or hurts a monster or something like that or does something that's going to make that monster not be able to attack until later. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly some guy over there is attacking over there. 
Um, there's a lot of that in this army. There's they they don't have very good safe. They're they're going to die in droves, and even with a high bravery, they're going to lose models because of the amounts that die. But you have so many ways that we're going to get in all our attacks before you get in your attacks. So you're gonna you have to live to be able to attack back. Mm-hmm. And that's the cool thing that goes on with this army. What's his command ability? Uh, the savage attack. Yeah, so this one you pick a bone splitters unit within ten, and until your next hero phase, they can when if they make a roll to hit of six or more, um, you can immediately get another attack out of that weapon. So this is anything on the model. This is the boar teeth. This is the teeth of Gork. This is all your really cool stuff that you can get out of this. Um, but chances are he's probably not going to be your general because you're generally going to take the profit for that. But Still, this is a really awesome thing because they don't get a lot of rend in this army, but they do put out a lot of attacks. Yep, absolutely. Um, who's next? The Maniac Weird Knob. Um, he's the one, the, the, the shaman on the boar, the old shaman yep. on the boar model. Um, he, now, now we're going back to wizard stats. One attack does D3 damage, and then mm-hmm. you got the boar tusks. You know, They go in with two attacks. Um, reroll failed to wound rolls when attacking with the boar tusks, and that's on every tusker charge is on every model that's got a boar. Reroll mm-hmm. failed to wound rolls if it charges, which is cool. Yep. Um, he's got a juju squig once per battle. You can uh, reroll a failed casting roll, so that's to squeeze the squig and get the extra extra magic. So, and his is um, you know that once once per game. Reroll a failed casting roll, which you're not going to be failing too terribly many of these rolls, I don't think. No. So, you know, the one time it happens, you get to reroll it. That's got to be frustrating for your opponent. Yeah, especially on like an arcane shield because that is a six. So that's a fairly high value, but getting another bite at it is a big deal. Well, and almost everything in, in in their lore is a six. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, oh, okay, just about everything I'm casting is a six, and I get a second shot at it. Nice. Um, these guys only get one spell uh, and one dispel. They've got the arcane bolt, the mystic shield, and these guys have bone spirit. Um, this draws out the great beast locked within their staff. This is a casting value of four. So uh, if you cast it, you can reroll to hit rolls of one for the caster and any friendly units within 10 inches when they attack until your next hero phase. Um, if you roll a double, you can reroll all failed hit rolls for him and all units within 10 inches during the attack. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a lot. Yeah. This uh, is going to hit a couple of units, probably the boars that he's riding with, and then probably one, two other units. And depending on what those units are, this is going to hurt a lot. Rerolled failed to hit rolls is just yeah. This is these guys put out a lot of attacks, and I mean, this is it. They're they're almost like glass cannons because they've got no save. They're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna break. But boy, oh boy, especially with the hit and run that the that the some of the boars have. Yeah, it's just you know getting. They're already getting bonuses for charging, and you can retreat and turn around and charge on the same thing. So the Tuskers, at least, are going to re-roll their failed wound rolls, and now you're re-rolling failed uh, hit rolls and wound rolls for the boars, at least. Yeah. 
and almost every turn because you can retreat and charge back in. Mm-hmm. And so you're getting that bonus. It's oh, it's it's really good. Yeah, and this one, like they talk about, like infecting the spirits of the animals that they're right. with. So this one plays right into it. In fact, um, um, the uh, the weird knobs that ride with them isn't this the one where they 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 start to act more like the animals, and the maniac weird knob has to live to sort of bring them out of that trance. Yeah, yeah. So that's the uh, the ma- the boar boy maniacs. Yeah, they're the ones that are completely out of their minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so after him, we have the war doc, which is kind of like an assistant magician. If you want to think about it that way, he's kind of a cheerleader um, and an augmenter more than an actual like damage dealer. He's kind of like a war chanter for Iron Jaws. Right. Um, so he's only got one attack, good hit, mediocre wound, and then D3 damage if it gets through. So pretty typical wizard stick. Um, he only knows Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield, and then if you're playing all Savage or all Savages, then you get the extra spell. Um, but during each hero phase, you roll a dice for each War Dock. So this is not you're rolling a dice for every War Dock, and it's the same thing. It's you roll dice for each one. So this is going to be a potential for a lot of stackability. Um, so you roll a d6, and on a one to two. You, know, you pick the Wardock or a Bone Splitters model within 10. They heal D3 wounds. So I don't have a save, but I can heal pretty consistently if I take a few of these guys. Right. Chances are you're going to roll a 1 or a 2 on at least one of them. Um, 3 or 4 is the Juju Dance. So you pick the Dock or a Bone Splitters unit within 10. You can reroll save rolls of 1 for that unit until your next hero phase. So help out a little bit is always good. Lots of rerolls going on here, too, again. Yeah, and then this big one, uh, the Weird Dance, which is pick a Bone Splitter's wizard within 10. It does not say him, but since he's within 10 of himself, he can still pick himself for this. Um, you Until your next hero phase, add one to the casting and binding rolls for that model. So combine that with all the other bonuses to bind, unbinding and casting that we talked about with the, art, with the uh, Mystic Artifacts. It suddenly makes a lot of their spells a lot easier to cast. And Fissagork on the Prophet is a big one. It's an 8 cast. But then you add in all the different bonuses you can get. It's suddenly not that scary to try to hit that number. Oh, yeah. And you can take multiples of these. So you can exactly. hit a couple of weird dances. And suddenly that six or that 8 becomes a 6 if you get that dance. So it's a bit of a random bonus. A couple of monsters always... nearby if you got the... If you've got the the item, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many little things that can add up, and suddenly it's like, well, I'm pretty much casting on anything. Here we go. Yeah, and there's not a bad dance on that list. No. Until you, unless you're not hurt yet. But chances are you're going to appreciate having the heal. Exactly. Exactly. So let's, uh, let's look at the... Uh, Let's look at our characters here. Let's start with your basic savage, Uruk. Um, two wounds. So yeah. I like this. There are no one-wound models in this list. So everything's got at least two wounds. Um, their bravery is five, but the unit starts with at least ten models. So you're looking at you know keep a, a, a larger unit. Suddenly the bravery is larger. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, movement five, save of a six, you know, basic. They all have a save. There's no save of dash. So they all get a save, which means there's always a chance at that six. Yep. Which is cool because there's a lot of armies where you got saves of dash. Mm-hmm. And when I first read that rule, I went and flipped forward to look and said, there's anybody who doesn't even get a save, so it wouldn't matter. Nope. Everybody gets a save. Yeah. Which um, is nice. Now, uh, the boss gets an extra attack, and they've got the thumper and the totem. So plus two to the charge roll, plus two to the bravery if there's an enemy model within three inches of the unit. So that bravery of five, if they're not in combat yet or they're getting shot at, the bravery stays five plus whatever bonus you have for numbers. Yeah, But as soon as you're in combat, boom, plus two. And you're getting the plus two on the charge. So you've got a chance to get in there a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah. Um, and then their weapon, their chompa, like the choppa for regular green skins oryx is a four to hit, four to wound, ren one. The chompa is a four to hit, three to wound. With no so, rend, but it's easier to wound. Yeah, so it's kind of a trade in that regard. Um, or their savage sticka is a two inch. So these guys are always going to come with a shield and then either the chompa or the sticka. So that's the dis- the big difference between the Savage Auric and then the Savage Auric Morboy. Um, and then their abilities, you get... Uh, well, the shield during the combat phase, the shield gives them a five-up save. Yep. And once again, they could be in the forest or something mm-hmm. like that. So it could be even better. Um, and considering that they wound on threes with their Champa, um, the re-rolling ones... To wound if they've got at least 20 models. Rerolling all failed wound rolls if they've got 30 models. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So these guys, you are encouraged to take big mobs of these guys. Yep. For sure. Yeah. It's 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 great, especially if you get the other abilities off. You're getting extra attacks or extra pile-ins or any of that stuff. And once again, attacking first. If you can slow down their ability to attack back, uh, it's just... You know they're they're pretty good. I mean, for for basically what is a core model, yeah. You know the the basic version. I like them. Mm-hmm. So let's stick them on a board and see what happens. Um, they go up to three wounds, and their movement goes up to nine. They still got the chompa and the sticka. Um, or e- you know either chompa or sticka. Oh, the, what's the what's the benefit of taking a sticka? The range goes to two inches, but the two wound goes up to four instead of three. So. Yeah, and with a boar sticker, you do two damage against monsters with these guys. Uh, and that's when they're on the boars, though. Yeah, when they're on the boar. Yeah, the savage sticker is the same thing as a boar sticker, basically, except the savage sticker doesn't give you the bonus on the charge. Yeah, it's just an extra range. So the boar stickers do two damage against monsters with the extra mm-hmm. range. Um, and this is the hit and run. They can charge on the same turn they retreat. So yep. if you're in combat, you could retreat out of combat. So that you can charge in later that turn and get that get that bonus again. Right, with the Tusker charge. Right. Um, yeah, because they got the totem and the thumper, so the plus two in the bravery, plus two in the charge. Um, and if they charge, reroll failed wound rolls with the boar tusks. So, I mean, everything here works together. Mm-hmm. And once again, they've got a shield, so the save goes up to five. Yeah, and if you retreat just over three inches away, you get plus two as long as you have a thumper. So then you're auto-charging 
yeah. again. So there's no reason not to do this. Exactly. You just need to remember that you're pulling away. You know, back them up, back them up, back them up, back them up. All right, boom, hit them again. Um, this is like the, what the old uh, the Wood Elf uh, riders, the flying, the flyers, the Warhawks. The Warhawks had this. Um, except this is much easier yeah. in explaining. It was, it's easier to figure out how it works, and it's and it's just it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's so much better. Before, if they won the combat or lost, they could choose to just retreat and fall back, and then they could still charge in the next turn. Blibble, blabble, blibble. Here, look, you can retreat and then charge again. Yep. Nice. Um, the big stabba. This is your ace, for sure. <laughs> so this has four wounds, because it's two wounds, and there's two guys holding the big stabba. Mm-hmm. They got a bravery of six, and they should, because they're guys who just charge big monsters. Um, the range on a Gork Tooth is three inches, two attacks, fours by threes with two rend and damage three. Yeah, this is the only source of rend you have in the army outside of your characters. Um, no one else has rend at all. So these are guys you're definitely going to want to stick at the biggest, nastiest monster or unit that you can find and watch them rip a hole in it. Um, um, if the t- target is a monster, yet get to add an additional D3. Yeah. So it's and four to six damage. Against a monster with multiple attacks with the monster hunter chart. So you get a lot of benefit out of this unit, especially when it goes against monsters, because that's their job. And if they die, uh, they, <laughs> they basically, the final fling, they throw the darn gork tooth at the mo- at the enemy any enemy within three inches enemy unit and it's another d3 mortal wounds yeah so if they charge that monster and the monster stomps on them they still get that last shove that gork tooth into them and get another d3 in mortal wounds so you're taking it mm-hmm. so even if you attack up with a bunch of these guys and they get they wind up getting killed they're still getting in d3 as long yeah. as they're in range it's great mm-hmm yeah, this is a great thing that they actually gave definition to, um, like we were talking about earlier. Now it's something that you're going to want to take. And now we got the Savage Oruk Moor Boys. And these are kind of like the Oruks. Um, it, they're a little braver, and they don't have the Savage Sticka or the Shields. They've got the Toof Shiv. And a Chumpa. And the Champa. Champa's the same. Tooth Shiv actually works the exact same as the Savage Sticka, except it's only got a one-inch range. Because it's not a Sticka, it's a Shiv. And those are shorter. Yeah. And um, these are the guys that try to climb up on the monsters that they fight. The Death Ride. And I love that, because they talked about it. We just talked about it you know, before, about them climbing up on the monster. So they got the Totem and the, and the Thumper. So you still got the plus two to your bravery in combat. So that six goes to an eight, plus any plus the models, uh, plus two on the charge, plus one attack from the champ, um, plus one to hit for any more boys as soon as a monster is slain in battle. Yeah, and it so doesn't, doesn't say matters. that that ever ends. So once once a monster dies on the table, these guys goes from fours to hit to threes to hit with all of their weapons. Yes. Yeah, this is a big deal, and it doesn't say that they have to do it. There's it just no says range. as soon as a monster dies on the table. Yeah. 
So these guys are definitely going to be your cleanup crew if they've not already started into something. The stabbers will finish something. They get better. So this then goes to turn order. So if they're not in with a monster, but the stabbers are and they could kill it, you may want to attack with the stabbers first to get these guys better for when it's their turn to attack. Okay. The death ride. <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about this. So you can pick in the hero phase. One model in the unit can try the death ride because they can't all climb at the same time. So but this is during the hero phase. This is outside of the regular phase. <laughs> Mm-hmm. One guy can use his two weapons to just stab and pull his way up the side of the monster, get on top of the monster, and roll a dice. On a one, two, or three, nothing happens. But on a four up, it takes D3 mortal wounds. And if the if it kills the monster, good. If it doesn't, you just stabbed it in its head, basically. So it starts to scream and yell and buck, and it throws you off and stomps you. So D3 mortal wounds during the hero phase, if you don't kill it, it kills you. Mm -hmm. But since you're running in with big, huge units, do it. Yeah. Another D3 mortal wounds, there is no downside to that. I will trade my two-wound Savage Auric more boy to get in an average of two mortal wounds on that monster again. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. <laughs> so good. So uh, it's so much fun. It's so much flavor. All right. Um, you want to take the maniacs? Yeah. Now these are again. These are the savage boar boy maniacs. Um, so they got three wounds. They're on a boar. Now these guys have two chompas, which are the four to hit, three to wound, two attacks, which is different from a normal chompa because there's two of them. Um, they get the boar totem, the boss gets an extra attack, the thumper gives them the plus two to their charge. Uh, they got the boar tusker charge, so they get to reroll fail to wounds with the boar tusks. Now, they do not have hit and run. No. So you're going in, and then you're kind of stuck in unless you uh, retreat out. These and guys don't run for in. anything. They just charge no, in no. and start laying into the enemy, which is no, fine. These, it follows yeah. their fluff better. You know, The other guys are a little more tactical, a little more cunning. These guys be a little more brutal. They is, and they play to that. Um, They have probably the coolest rule, um, Maniac Fury, which is they can pile in and attack again for for a second time at the end of your combat phases. So what you're going to get is these guys can attack multiple times throughout the course of the game. So they can do it. Twice during your combat phase, as long as they're alive, you can do it once more with the command ability from the Prophet. So this unit has a potential attack three times in a phase. When it says in each at the okay, you can pile in for a second time at the end of each of your own combat phases. Yeah, this is only going to happen during your turns. Okay, I wanted to make I wanted to make sure that phase? I wanted to be clear about that, and because I just I wasn't certain if that's what it meant or if it meant like, um, you know, when when my last model has moved, if you still have models left, like you know, what I'm saying when I pick a unit, you pick a unit. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure it didn't mean that. Okay, after my last unit goes, this guy goes 
even if you have models left. That you know, I just want to clarify that I understood that correctly. Yeah. I figured it meant it your way, but I often read these things wrong, and then someone tells me, "Oh no, you can do extra cool things," and you were shortchanging yourself. So yeah, this is at the end of your own combat phases. This is only going to be in the maniac player's turn. And then it's at the end of the phase, so everything has to resolve first before these guys get to swing again. Oh, and reroll the ones to hit, by the way. So, you know. When they attack with the Champa. So these guys get a lot of attacks, a lot of bonuses to attacks, and they don't stop attacking at all. And something you'll see later, you can get these guys attacking four times a turn during your own turns, which is. Kind of like unheard of. Like the Varengard don't even get to do it that much. Nope. So, yeah, these guys are these guys are great. You're going to see a lot of these, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And then finally, last unit entry is the Arrow Boys. A lot of talk about the Arrow Boys lately. Yeah. Um, and they're good. Uh, there's no reason not to talk about them. Um, the people who want to take 120 of these and just make an army of these... Yeah, okay, you know, have fun. <laughs> yeah, can, no. You can uh you can uh be that guy and you can move all those models across the table, have fun playing really slow. Um basic stats again, two wounds, five bravery, five moves, six save. Um their bow has an eighteen inch range with two attacks, five by fours. Um I love their melee weapons. When they get in close, they got the Champa. Which only is, the boss has a chompa. Only the boss. The other guys, they just stab you in the face with the arrows. Yep. Um, which is really crummy to wound roll on that, by the way. It's a four by five. Yeah, but a lot of archer units have a five by five. These guys are at least a four. So that's so, not half bad. Yep. Um, once again, plus two to the bravery, plus two to the charge. Um. Oh, you can add one to hit rolls made with the arrow boss when they shoot their stingabo. So the boss gets he gets the champa and he gets a plus one. So his hits go from fives to fours with the, when he's shooting, which ain't yep. bad. Um, rend of one against monsters for the bows. Um, I'll take anything. Yeah. And they get one extra attack with their bows if they have 20 or more models in the unit. So you're looking at like 60 attacks. Yes, because you already get two attacks apiece. As soon as you hit 20, that's 60 attacks. Five by fours. Yeah. <laughs> They'll blot out the sun. Then we will May not hit anything, in the shade. but they're going <laughs> to blot it out. Well, exactly. <laughs> You know, there's going to be a lot of arrows on the ground next to you. You might hurt your feet stepping on them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but 120, here's the thing. If you've got 120 attacks and a third of them are going to hit, that's 40 hits. And another half wounds, that's 20 wounds. That's a lot. Yeah. And that's, I'll, I'll take that for now. You know, I mean, you might have a really good save and stuff, but that unit's going to take something down. Yeah. Um and against, you know, and yes, this whole this this is an army that goes a lot against monsters. Um but against stuff that has crummy or no saves, these guys are going to light them up. Yeah. You know, the six up save, it you know, you're going to save almost nothing. Um I'm just thinking about my undead, how much stuff has a save of dash or even in the uh with the uh with the corn bloodbound, you know. 
the guys with saves of dash. Yeah. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm rolling a bucket full of dice. You take that unit off. I mean, you could delete a unit of 20 on average. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, okay, and, and it, if, you know, and there are times you have a good roll. People have played with those garage hammer dice. I've heard they're a little crooked. They don't work that way for me. No, but, they do fine. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you could really, you could really get stupid with uh, twenty of these guys. And why wouldn't you take twenty? I mean, it's a ten or more. Take twenty. Yeah, take, no reason not to. Right. You know. Get that, yeah, suddenly a unit of 20. Yeah, we're talking, like you said, 60 attacks. Um, and then, you know, two units of that or a big unit, yeah, with 120, 120 shots when you start to get up to 40 guys. It's oh, so stupid. Yeah, and it gets worse, but <laughs> um, that's in one of the battalions, which we'll talk about here. Yeah, so you know what? Let's take a quick break because that's all the models, and it's... God, they can do so much, mm-hmm. you know, with the right magic and the right, you know, the right combos and the right synergies. These armies are flying in. I mean, think of your boars moving triple speed. You really are flying up the sides and getting into the flank. It literally works exactly like it says. And when pigs fly. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, the arrow boys, you know, they take a couple of shots you know, suddenly your your units up front are starting to dissolve a little bit because they're taking a lot of wounds, and with the low bravery, they're starting to, to starting to bust up a little bit. Um, okay, cast the magic on the arrow boys and have them come flying down into things mm-hmm. to back it up. I mean, it's just it's it's awesome. This this can be this can be if if you like playing a horde army and you like rolling buckets of dice. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely get me a KFC bucket full of dice and go to town. No, it's uh, it's this is this is my idea of fun. It really yeah. is. Um, yeah, I'm taking a lot of models off the table, but I'm also just it's it's that it's the thing that I loved about my VC army. You know, I got 200 zombies on the table. By the time the things were done, kill all you want. I'm just gonna walk over that, and I'm gonna walk over you. It may take forever, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> exactly, same thing here. Um, so you know, when we come back, we'll start talking about the uh, the battalions and then the super battalions, those army battalions. So we'll be right back, and we'll uh, we'll wrap the uh, wrap up the uh, the what's left in the book in a moment. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night, 
to Friday Night Magic. There's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. Hey folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mierce Miniatures at miersminiatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish-level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com, and seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. talking about battalions mm-hmm. all right um the first battalion here is the savage war clan which basically is every unit yeah it's every battalion plus a war god prophet yeah it's yeah a prophet a cop ruck a snagger ruck a brutal ruck a cunning ruck and a teeth ruck every ruck that we talked about in the fluff it's the whole skull basically it's the in- it's the entire thing and if you've got that then you get this ability, which is basically uh, you can reroll all failed save rolls for models in a Savage War Clan, but the reroll saves only work on a six. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter what the actual characteristic or any modifiers. Um, and you can do this for mortal wounds as well. Yep. So that's not bad. No, it's not. And it's. In a bigger game, it's going to be a lot easier to achieve, but then it's going to make them tons more survivable. Yeah. Um, it's a small thing. It's not a huge thing. But if you're playing a fluff game, where you're playing it to the fluff, and this is the one that pops up where on a lot of the other things, um, if you, you know, it's like, oh, if you have all of this, then you also get that. So this mm-hmm. this this sixes re-roll, you know, re-roll in a chance of a six to get the failed save pops up a lot and once again nothing that you look at and say wow that's awesome but it's that thing that's going to save oh i saved another one or two guys right you know and it's it's that it that piles up that's the thing about this is it doesn't seem big but after five turns of it Mm -hmm. you know if i've saved 10 or 12 guys over the course of six turns that's half a unit or yeah you know on these big units, and that that makes a huge difference as it piles up. Mm-hmm. So now we basically um, there's a battalion for each ruck. So we're going to go with cop, snaga, brutal, cunning, and teeth. Um, so if we take the cop ruck, that's two to five war docks and two to five units of more boys. And I think the big thing with these battalions, before we get into like the specifics, this is stuff that you were already going to take in your army. A lot of the other battalions, like especially the Stormcasts, all the variants. Okay, one, you have to take three units of Prosecutors and a unit of Liberators. 
And it's just, it doesn't always make sense for what you want to do with your army. With all of these rucks, these are things you're going to take normally. Here's a little extra icing. Well, and, so. and exactly. It's like, if you're, you're basically just, if you take multiple units of anything and, a take, for that. And, and take a character with it, you're getting, it, there's a ruck, exactly. Um, so I'll take the cop ruck. I'll finish this one off. Let's see. So you get two to five units of more boys and two to five war docks. And then let's see. Uh, add one to all casting rolls made by the cop ruck war dock within 12 inches of 20 of more, 20 or more, more boys. So it's not within a unit of tw- you know, 12 inches of the unit. It's just 12 inches of 20 or more. So from anywhere. So mm-hmm. you kind of keep him in between the units, and suddenly it's plus one to casting rolls. If he's within 12 inches of 30 or more, add two to the casting roll. And then if the casting roll is a double, you have to remove D3 models from the nearest units of Savage or more boys as the energy causes their heads to explode. <laughs> okay. Yes, losing three models on a double is bad, but you get so many cool bonuses from the doubles, and it's another it's another plus two to your casting. Yeah. I mean, it just keeps adding numbers. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things where, in the middle of combat, if I roll, let's say I roll a ten, not even doubles, I just roll a ten. You know, I got a plus one, a plus two here, and a plus one from someone else's bonus, and suddenly it's like, well, you you can't you can't stop my magic. No, it then becomes impossible. Yeah, and that's when it that's when it, it gets to be really cool. Is it's like. It's like in the fluff. I mean, he stopped a slan. Yeah. So what do you mean he stopped a slan with his magic? What did I just say? You know, it's like this magic is, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's casting on a low value. So you're going to probably be casting most all the time anyway. Mm-hmm. It's just that because the whole point of this army is to get into the fight, you're going to be within 18 inches. So there's going to be a much greater chance that people are going to be dispelling your spells than other uh, other races' units who kind of keep them in the back. Um, so all these bonuses are just like, yeah, I'm, I'm running right up here and I'm casting it, and good luck dispelling it. And you're going to have a lot, and they are going to be limited by their number of unbind attempts. So something's going to get through. So then they have to make very hard choices on what they try to stop. Uh, yeah, exactly. Especially when I've got a guy who so I can cast one and dispel one. You can cast one and dispel one. And I just rolled doubles. So I got that thing. Okay, I can auto, I can cast another spell. Well, you, mm-hmm. you can what? Yep, yep. So I'm casting now a lot more spells than you can even stop. And you've already wasted your stops. So now here it comes. Mm-hmm. This is uh, this is so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all their... T- Chanting and chest thumping gets the more boys into a frenzy. Add one to the wound rolls for uh, more boys if they're within 12 inches of at least two war docks from this battalion when it attacks. So this is a good reason to take several war docks because if there's two around, they get to re-roll or they get to add one to their wound rolls. So suddenly that Champa wounds on an effective two. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, cool. Sign me up. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that with the with the more boys, um, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and and, and I get to uh, add one to the hit rolls, and uh, somewhere in here it's going to let me uh, what reroll ones to wound. Yep. So, 
Yeah. I'm, this is a bookkeeping army. <laughs> yeah. Once again, you need, you have to have a cheat sheet. Yeah. Because you're going to need it. And your opponent's going to want to see it because you're going to rock up against someone who's never played against this before. It's going to be like, wait a minute. You got 20 guys and they're throwing 50 attacks and they're, they're, they're wounding on twos, rerolling ones. What did you, what? Oh, yeah. 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 There it goes. Yeah. No, it's totally okay. Just, just, just go with it. Just go with it. <laughs> oh, man. So the Snaga. The Snaga is two Maniac Weird Knobs and two to ten units of Boar Boy Maniacs. Yeah. Now, this one is a little trickier just because it's a lot of these big, expensive guys. But you um, get two Weird Knobs and two two units, units still. Of more, it's, units of Maniacs. Yeah. I mean, that's you, you, that's that's doable. Yeah. You, know, you can go in with the minimum. Yeah. Um, now, this one, during the hero phase, a Maniac unit from the ruck can attempt to charge an enemy unit if there's somebody within 12 as if it were the charge phase you get to re-roll the charge roll if you're within range of if you're within 10 inches of a mania of one of the maniacs weird knobs and then if the charge is successful roll a dice for each charging model that ends within an inch of an enemy model and on a four or more the enemy suffers a mortal wound but on a one the charging unit suffers the wound so, again, you have a save against Mortal Wounds. The other guy doesn't. Merry Christmas. And you get at least five of these. If you got a unit of a small unit, a unit of five. Yeah, so that's five shots. You five them get, in, you get five. Yeah, you're going to get two or get, three Mortal Wounds in. Yeah, and you may take one in return, but these guys are three-wound cavalry. So this is not a bad trade at all. Not at all, especially when you've got the Mordocks in the – or the Wardocks in the other Ruck – are standing behind them doing their dance and putting them back together and putting the wound, yeah and giving the wounds back because everything works in this army together. <sighs> okay, now you want to be brutal or you want to be cunning? I definitely want to be cunning. Okay, cuz I'm brutal. All right, here we go. One savage big boss and 2 to 5 units in any combination from the Oryx and the Boar Boys. So here you get a mix. And you get a big boss. Uh, they're always competing to be the first to get stuck in. So you can reroll the dice when determining how far they run. And the big boss and any unit within 10, inch of, 10 inches of him when they start their move automatically runs uh, like you rolled a six. Don't even have to roll. So yeah. you, got him standing right be- you got him right between the two units and you want to run. You're running 11. Because their movement is five, isn't it? Yeah, their movement's five for the boys and nine for the boars. But the neat trick is that the it says the Brutal Ruck Savage Big Boss in any unit. It doesn't say that it's any unit from this battalion. The Brutal Ruck's Savage Big Boss and any unit that starts to move within ten inches of the Big Boss. Oh. I see. Yeah. Merry Christmas. <laughs> oh, I didn't even pay attention to that. You can re-roll the dice when determining how far a unit from the Brutal Ruck runs, but any unit... Huh. I wonder if they literally meant that any unit. That's what it says. It is what it says. But most of the stuff, most of the time, it only refers to what's in the unit, so... Yeah. That's another question. Mm-hmm. But if this isn't, this is a potential almost game breaker for these guys because they're going to be on your turn too, guaranteed. 
Yeah, that's this is. It's brutal. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it is it's brutal. So let's get cunning. What do we got with the cunning rock? Now this one is the Marka boss, and this one you get a Savage Big Boss and two to five units chosen from either Savage Oryx or Savage Oryx Error Boys. So basically, um, the only difference between this unit is we have the Vor Boys and you got the Error Boys, which makes sense because yeah, the day brutal, is more day right. is more cunning. Day is more cunning. Okay. Now these guys are actually really cool. So they can be surprisingly sneaky when they want to. So what this means is that you can pick a unit from the ruck that is within 10 inches of the battalion's savage big boss. And this is during the hero phase. During the hero phase. And that unit can do an action, whether it's move, if they're not within three inches of an enemy, and they can run. Shoot as if it were the shooting phase, or pile in an attack as if it were the combat phase. If they're within if they three were inches, in three. and they can still act later in the turn, whether whatever it does in the phase. So these guys can move, run, move, charge, or shoot, move, shoot. If you're an error boy, so that sixty shot unit suddenly goes to one hundred and twenty shots in one turn out of one unit of error boys. And it's okay, so you got the one big boss and you could take two units to five units in any combination. So you take two units of twenty. Yep. And so you already got hundred and twenty shots between the two units. Yes, yeah, so now you kick it up to hundred and eighty shots between three between two units. In the one on your on your turn. On, oh. Or what you'll get with the Wargog Prophet. Okay. You guys within 15 inches, you're in combat, attack. The big boss says, hey, you guys, you're within 10 inches of me, attack. And it just keeps going. Yeah. It, there's, yeah. There's a lot it's of a dice. frantic energy to these guys. So, And it really shows with how they play. Yeah. And finally, we got the T-Fruck. And this is just two to five units of the big stabbers. Auto take. No question. Oh, absolutely. Because you're going to take... At least two. You're going to take five is what I'm thinking. You're going to take pretty close to the top. Right. So you got five units of these stabbers, which is basically each of these little pairs. So each unit is the one model. So you're going to grab five of these things. Uh, pick an enemy monster in the hero phase. Each unit from a T-Fruck within six inches piles in the six inches and attacks against the combat phase. And then they still get to fight in the combat phase. And if they die, they're still going to get their extra D3 wounds. Yeah, and each each unit of these things is two or more per the unit description. Yeah. So, okay, you have two units of two at a minimum, but you're not going to take two units of two. You're going to take two units honest. of five. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If not more. And so. you're going to charge these guys in. They're going to get their attack. Oh, and by the way, you know, um, you could, and if you want to actually, I mean, you could do it that way, depending on how much, and I didn't look it up, depending on how much the actual ruck costs... I, I think take, it's only like 40 or 60 points. It's very cheap. I could actually take two units in one battalion and two units in another battalion. And then I have two War Scroll battalions, so I'm getting those extra weapons on the heroes in the other units. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So instead of yeah. taking four units in one battalion, I'll take two battalions of two apiece. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then bang. Uh, you know, plus the ability, then, you know, 
I'm getting two separate units are getting the attack because in the hero phase you pick, you know, uh, each unit from a T-Frux. So all the units are going to attack. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, every unit that's close, but I'm getting those extra, you know, for the 40 points or whatever, I'm getting those extra um, uh, items onto my heroes. Yeah. That we were so happy about. There's a lot of potential. Um, and then this is a ruck that I would make maybe take outside of a bone splitters army um gordrak with his ability the voice of gork to give all models in the battalion plus two attacks and charge 3d6 do that on a t-fruck <laughs> ow and he can do that on any unit it doesn't have to be in a specific it's a destruction unit so right. he does not care now, obviously, you're not getting the you know you're not getting the other bonuses. Yeah, um, you're not going to get a lot not of a bone splitters army, but you're still getting this, which is a lot. And with their basic rules, just that extra D three mortal wounds when they when each, each any one of these models die. Mm-hmm. It's oh, it's so good. Yeah, this has got a lot of potential, and this is going to be a big part of your army because again, this is the only thing you have with rend. So you're going to take this. Yeah, because the unit is two or more two or models, more teams. Two or more teams. So if you're taking it, I'm guessing it's it's it, each each unit. If you're going on a on a points one, would be the two. Yeah, it's gonna be units of two so, at the cheapest. Yeah, that's gonna be so good. Yeah, and then it gets you another item, and just so good, so good for the T frock. Oh boy! All right, let's look at some of these. Now we got three war clans here. Three war clans. Let's start with the Bone Grins, since we've been talking about them this whole time. Mm-hmm. Now the Bone Grins. Um, one of the things about them that I thought was interesting is now you only have to take a Cunning Ruck, but you have to have your Savage Big Boss, and instead of two to five units from the uh, Savage Orcs and the Arrow Boys, you got to take four to ten units. Sure. So minimum of four. So you got your boss, and you got your arrows and your Orcs, and that's fine. And that's all you have to take to be in the Bone Grins. But if mm-hmm. you want to, you can take zero to one of every other unit on this list, which makes basically, as we go back to, you can make a Savage War Clan. Yeah. You can take the multiple. You can take a lot of extra boys and era boys, and then one of everything else, one of every other ruck, which is one, two, three, four, five. You'll have six, six. Uh, you'll have five rucks and a wargog prophet. Right, you'll have five rucks and a wargog prophet. So that's five battalions. Yep. And if you have five buck, five rucks and the wargog prophet, you've actually got the savage war clan. And when it says, if you contain a Wurgog Prophet and the maximum number of battalions, which is all of those things, you get the Juju Warpaint ability, which is the Savage War Clan ability. Yeah, which is the reroll sixes for free. Right. Now, would that actually count as having the Savage War Clan battalion, though? No, because <laughs> this is you're going to pay for it ability. You just get the extra ability. Okay. I, I just thought you might get that. Uh, you might get that extra item because you have everything to fill that out. And You're going to run out of characters get. at that point with this many battalions. Well, not necessarily. No. It was, no, because if you take this... It was this, facetious. Yeah. I know. 
Yeah, you got, let's see. You got to have the one prophet, two to five war docs, two weird knobs, and then a two big boss, a savage big boss. So you got at least six to eight characters. Characters right there. So yeah, boom! Suddenly everybody's carrying everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happens here? Um, okay, I love this. By the way, loads of boys roll a dice every time the savage orcs, the arrow boys, or the big stabas is completely destroyed. You lose a, a unit. On a six, you set up an identical unit within six inches of the edge of any part of the battlefield more than nine inches away from the models, and that's its move. Yeah. So and basically, is, you wipe it out, and there's more coming. Yeah, and this is only for Savage Oryx, Arrow Boys, and Big Stabbas. But, but still. still. <laughs> yeah, that's, and, but that's the, that's the cunning pack. Mm-hmm. That's the cunning pack, and the T-Frock, which we already said, you take in a T-Frock. Yeah. So on a six, and it only happens on a six. I know it's not that often, but man, when you wiped out that unit of twenty guys or thirty guys, and they're gone, and that guy rolls this six right here, boom, and they put it back, and then they just put it within six inches on on your side of the board, nine inches from your guys. You're just like really, and this reminds you of that story where he just screams out war. Mm-hmm. And then these and guys more just, boys come. More boys come. Loads of boys. Um, also, add one to the bravery of all models the first time a monster is slain in battle. So, boom, your bravery just jumped from fives to sixes base on everything. Mm-hmm. Plus all the other bonuses. So, suddenly, if they're not killing a lot, you're actually passing some of these. Some of these. Uh, some of these uh, Battleshock tests. Yep. And then your general, if you're in a Bone Grinds War Clan, can take a different command trait. So instead of the the cool ones we already had, um, which was, what did we what were we talking about with those command traits? We said the pick in your own. So you got those six. If you don't want any of those six that we talked about with the you know, the war paint and the great hunter and that, uh, you can have um, your general and any friendly bone grins unit within 12 inches can always choose their result on the monster hunter table. So Which is I, cool. Yeah, because that was basically number six was your general can always pick. Now, mm-hmm. now allowing every unit that's within 12 inches of him to pick, you know, you go up against a monster, every unit near that monster is picking... The exact right thing. Right. And especially the guys who weren't quite in. Oh, these guys are five inches away. They'll pick Wild Abandon. Mm-hmm. Now the pylon becomes six inches, you know? Or these are uh, T-Frucks or something. I'll take the reroll failed. Right. Yeah. No, it's so good. It's so good. Um, You know, it's... Yeah, that's a real. I mean, now, granted, that's a huge army. Yeah, but once and 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 it's just it's making your bookkeeping just even more complicated. Hmm. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a theme, I think, going forward. Is you're going to have to take a lot of notes on what your stuff does. But man, is it going to be? I mean, talk about themey. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, in fact, you know, somebody who's got all these different models. I would love to just play against something like that. Just bring it all with all your bonuses and all your rolls. I'll take that up against some Stormcast, or I'll throw a, I'll throw 120 zombies on the board and see what happens. 
Mm-hmm. You know, let's do that. Let's, you know, that's like, that's those big games. You know, I'm glad I got a six foot table. I'm going to need every inch of it. Yeah, you're probably going to need an eight footer for this, but. Oh, it's beautiful. All right. Now, you know what? Let's look at the Icebone War Clan next. Um, first thing I noticed in this, uh, mm-hmm. you, you got to start off with a Snaga Ruck instead of the Cunning Ruck. So uh, four to 15 units of Savage Boar Boy Maniacs <laughs> instead of two to 10. Plus two Maniac Weird Knobs. Right. So two Weird Knobs and at least four units of Boar Boys. So these guys are running in like crazy. Um, the only difference is with the Icebone War Clan, and they're out fighting where it's cold, uh, just like before, you can also have zero to one Wargogs, zero to one Cops, Teefs, Brutals, um, and the Brutals can have two extra Savage Boar Boys units. Uh, any number of additional Bone Splitters units is always listed there. Um, mm-hmm. There's no cunning in no. this one. So it's not a pure War Clan like uh, the Savage War Clan, like that first battalion. Which is why I asked if the other one got you the battalion bonus, because this one wouldn't. Actually, it would. If you read down at the bottom where it says if it contains a Wargok profit in the maximum number, it gains the extra juju. So they don't have oh, it. Oh, you're right. It would. It would gain the bonus. But it wouldn't be that battalion. Like I said, remember I asked if you got the extra item for having the full battalion? Oh. You yeah. get the battalion rule bonus, but it doesn't count for at least the item. I'm thinking those items because there's so many models. I want to give everything I can out. Yeah. I just want it to be, I mean, I just want it to be as complicated and confusing and stupid as possible. No, but this is where they start to make up for their perceived deficiencies. So you have to pay attention to this. Oh, yeah. Well, and I, I keep looking at this thinking this is so much greater than the sum of its parts if you start to get all of these little bits and bobs rolling together and you know what you're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just having it all doesn't necessarily make it great, but if you can, if you can work with it and make it all roll and pitch and move together it, like, you know, like clockwork, it can be... Brutal and cunning, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so what are the abilities on this one? What do you got here? All right, this one... Um, now, these guys are based in the Skyblind Tundras of Gur. So these guys are on white furred boars. Um, so these guys are your mounted guys. Um, if you are a Savage Boar Boy Maniac or Maniac Weird Knob, your move is 11 instead of 9. So you get an extra 2 inches on your move. <sighs> Which, if you get the hand at Gork, could be a twenty-two or thirty-three-inch move. You know that that's that's awesome. And don't forget, you got a plus two on your charge because you've got your guy with your totem and your musician in there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all right. And these guys have got something really cool, which is freezing weapons. So you can essentially have these guys running around with a bunch of ice weapons, um, which is kind of their thing. Um, so if an enemy monster suffers wounds from a model from an Icebone War Clan. Um, in the combat phase, it can only be selected to attack that phase after all other eligible units have attacked. So, again, you're changing the order of combat, and that's pretty okay. Now, is that, when it says all other eligible units, does that mean from both sides? Yeah. So it's everyone else has attacked, and then these guys, these guys and it, get and to. It, and, it, and it could be multiple units. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, everything else, is, it's, it always strikes last, basically. On yeah, a, on a cosmic scale. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, you know what? You don't have any rend, but you can have you know ice teeth rucks, which is just fine because they'll get through. They'll do damage. Okay, 
it's one less thing I have to worry about for right now. And you suddenly change the order. Yeah, and the thing is, making sure that all these monsters with all these units all get these units, get surrounding these monsters and get all their attacks in first. Mm Mm-hmm. It's just going to, even if it doesn't kill it, it's going to take it down to where it's just not that effective. Right. And it's, oh, it's once again, this is so good. I'm so, uh, I wish I could paint faster. I really wish I could paint faster. Let's, <laughs> yeah. It's tough because all these books that you're going to see, you want to do one of these cool themey things and you want to do it so bad, but then there's a the problem of you got everything else you got to do first. Okay. And one hero from this clan can take so this is a seventh item of power this is a 13th a 13th well i was just thinking it's not a it's not a wizard item i'm just saying from the list of six non-magical artifacts but yeah 13th item here and this is a crystallized skull what do they get to do with this um all damage suffered by the bearer is halved rounding down so like a stone horn so if you take four wounds it's only two um, in addition, you heal a wound in each one of your hero phases. So this, again, you don't have a lot of good saves, but this is an extra defensive item, which is really great. And over the course of the game, if they don't kill you, it's five. You're getting back five wounds. If you can keep them from killing you, mm-hmm. it just keeps adding up and adding up. Oh, I do two. I get one back. Well, I did three. I get one back. I did another two. I get one back. It's like you suddenly, instead of doing six wounds to kill a guy or five wounds to kill a guy, you got to do like nine you know, yeah, you got to do ugh. a lot more work. Yeah, it's so good. All right, last clan here. Um, the Drakfoot War Clan. Uh, and this one is one prophet and one copruck, but it's got to have three to six war docks instead of two to five. So eh, more magic. Mm-hmm. One of these guys is putting that mask on. Oh, for sure. Because you're one of the war docs, just one of the cheesy little guys who can only do one spell. Let him go there and stare something down because that's in every list that I can put it in. (laughs) Just I don't care how good it is. It's in every list I can put it in because someday you're going to roll, you know, eight threes and higher in a row. (laughs) And you're just going to kill something really stupid and it's going to die and you're going to be like, oh, I lived. I get to do this again to something else later. Yeah, that's a once per game, though. Oh, it's once per game? Oh, I, yeah. oh, I got to go back. Okay, so it's not doing it more than... Okay, so you get to kill one thing, though. Yeah, which is enough. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. My one little silly... My level one wizard, basically, if you're talking in old old school sense, just took down something really big and stupid. Um, so you get the profit and the cop ruck is all you need, but then again, snag a teeth, brutal and cunning. So, it, once again, you can go to the full war clan and get the Juju War paint bonus. Yep. Um, they have Juju Spirits. Any casting role made for a wizard in the war clan, which is a minimum of four, because you got three war docks up to six and a war god profit, minimum, not to mention the other rocks that you might get them in there. Um, any casting role made by the wizard that is a double is successful. Period. So doubles always cast. Two yeah. double ones, double twos. So suddenly on your six or more, you've got even even more chances to have that magic work. Yeah, and then it becomes your opponent has to waste a dispel roll on a double one cast. Yep. 
if they want to stop that, otherwise they have to deal with it. And that's a very tough choice. Because here's the thing that's really going to upset them is my double ones. Not only did they cast, but I rolled doubles. So I get a bonus. So I get a bonus. Yeah. So if you don't dispel this, I'm going to do extra wounds to you on my two. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so wonderful. Uh, red war paint. Uh, this It's red instead of the other colors. Um, when a unit from this war clan is affected by an enemy spell, roll a die. On a six, it doesn't affect this unit. But it could affect other units. So if it's pick a unit within 18 inches or something like that, you pick this unit, I roll a six. Nope. Now, you can redirect it to another unit, apparently. Because it says it may still affect other units. Is that what it means, or is it just if it affects lots of units? This is affects lots of units, um, like a... So what it won't it? redirect. Curse of the so Bad Moon or Chain Lightning or something. So if it's a pick one unit, and I roll a six and say nope, then it's dead. He doesn't get to just put it on something else. Right. Okay, so if it's just if it affects multiple units. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, even, have to, that's even better. Yeah, you have to roll for those additional units um, for the things like that, but... This is playing very much into what the Drakfoots are. They're based in Akshi, so that's the realm of fire. And the paint is like mixed with like blood bubbles or blood pools from like gore lakes. Okay. So this is a very cornate ish. Oh, sort of I thing. see what you're saying. Okay. Oh, hey, here's a question. If it yeah. affects multiple units mm-hmm. and they're all Drakfoot War Clan, they'd all get to roll yeah. this. So you could conceivably save lots of units. Oh. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. And on top of that, every one of these wizards knows another spell. They know the Blood Wash spell in addition to any others they know. Only one wizard can attempt to cast it. But once again, now guys who know one or two spells suddenly know an extra spell from the big list of spells suddenly know this and the more spells you can get them, just the more opportunities once you, 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 you're getting. Uh, this has a casting value of 8. Uh, if it's cast, pick a Bone Splitters unit within 6 inches. They can immediately pile in an attack as if it were the combat phase. Where are my teeth? Where are my teeth at? Yeah. Um, yeah. Or if you get this on a Cunninruck unit, if you took a Cunninruck, you get the Wargog Prophet saying, hey, attack. You get... The boss saying, hey, attack. You get a spell saying, hey, attack. And then you get their normal attacks. So you can have a unit potentially kick out four attacks for each one of your turns. Which is... Stupid. Kind of mind-boggling. And then, this is a high-value spell. Okay, but any double is successful. So, you're not completely out of the woods on this one. No, it's just... It's it's just... It's good. I like it. It's good. That's everything. Yeah. There's a lot in this book. Man, Mama Lucia. Now, I mean, God, I don't even feel, I mean, there was so much we gave out, but I don't feel like I was just running through stuff because everything has a use and everything can link together here. Mm-hmm. And it's just the story's so much fun. They're, yeah. They're brutal and cunning. And cunning and brutal. <laughs> yeah. It's what they do. This is, it's a definite home run for what they've been trying to do with all these, you know, quote, older things that are now suddenly fitting a lot better into this new universe than I think they fit into eighth. You know what I like about this too, is everyone says, Oh, there's no new models here, 
but they're so kind of but there kind of is. Like yeah. there's no new models, but there's new War Scrolls for models that didn't have one before. Before you just added the big stab to the side and you could attack a monster with it and it did some extra damage. Hooray. But yeah, no, that, that's its own thing now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, you don't necessarily need extra new models per se when you're getting all these extra uses little, out of them. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they're taking their existing stuff and making it stretch farther. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and this is, you know, I think this is why a lot of the stuff you're seeing in these, uh, in these, these, you know, these, these eighty-five dollar packs. Uh, you know, this is one of the reasons I think they can offer you guys a discount. They've already made the models. The molds have paid for themselves at this point, mm-hmm. so they can offer them to you at a discount. You know what I'm saying? It's not like yeah. the new stuff. They can say, "Hey, listen, we've already made our money on this, and now you're going to want." You know, before how many times did people not make the big stabba? A lot. Yeah, and if you kept the bits box, <laughs> you're like, I could buy a box of these models and I could make just five units of stabas out of them with all my leftover stabas. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, there, there's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a brand new way to love the same old thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, which is great because you've got it already in your bits box too. Yeah. And you actually get to use it. Because it's like the coolest bit out of that kit, and you never really used it before. Now it is a thing, and everything is a thing now. Yeah, everything's a thing. Everything's worth taking. And as you pointed out, oh, that little squig that was on the model that didn't really do anything. Well, now it's now that's a special ability. Mm-hmm. Let's look at it. Let's make it something cool. Let's make the most of what we already have. And this is... You know, I'm kind of jealous because I love the Fire Slayers book. Yeah. But since then, we've gotten, and I, I said I haven't delved too much into the new Ogre book. Um, but the Sylvaneth book in this book, you know, I'm looking at it going, man, you've got everything. Like, you've got a complete army. It's hard to run just Fire Slayers. I know Kenny does a good job with it. Yeah, Kenny does good. But that's I mean, hey, but he's making it work. I mean, anybody can make anything work if that's what you do all the time and you're willing to take some losses when things don't roll your way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you know, my zombie grow army. If I rolled bad magic phases and it didn't grow, I lost. But as long as I grew, I could at least draw everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the same thing with that. Um, it does. It, 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 uh, don't get me wrong. I like the Fire Slayer book. I ain't complaining. But it's not an all-around and this isn't that many more scrolls, you know? I mean the what did the they had six characters and five or six uh non character scrolls in the uh in the Fire Slayer Fire Slayer book. This has four characters and six units. Yeah. So this actually has less, I think, units. But I think they did more with it though, between the war clans, between the items and stuff like that that makes it. If they had rules for different lodges for the Fire Slayers, and maybe that's coming somewhere down the road, okay. then I think it would p- fix a lot of holes in that particular... So here's what I'm going to say, and it'll be the first time I'm saying it in Age of Sigmar. I can't wait for the new Fire Slayer book. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even had it a year. You know what? But you know, okay, I'm this. joking around, but you know what I'm saying. We used to always no. say that. You get to your army book, and you'll be like... 
man, I can't wait. In a few years, they're going to get, and hopefully they'll fix this thing. And who knows, maybe yeah. they'll fix it up. And, you know, I, you never know. They may go back to all the units, the armies that didn't, like the, you know, the the Seraphon, the, the, the Bloodbound, Stormcast. The Bloodbound, Stormcast, the, uh, the Skaven one, the Pestilence. Pestilence. And they may go back and, 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 do an do an update for those just to get them caught up with us, and you can always just go with the order. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not as specific. But yeah, and I, it's just the extra specific stuff. I think makes a big difference. Whoever's so. working at Games Workshop, and I know that the you know the, you know the, it's not like there's a ton of employees listening to the show. You know, yeah, I mean, who listens to this? Brady? I, I don't. Once <laughs> well, I put I mean, it you out, and I were there. Well, so. we're, you know exactly. Um, once, you know, but, you know, the guys who are working in corporate, whoever got this, whoever guys are on the design team who said, listen, we need to pick this up. We need to take this. We need to give them. And a lot of this stuff is stuff that they had in the 40K rules, you know, the command abilities and things like that. This is 40K stuff they're bringing in. Yeah. Whoever got the okay to bring it into here, you know, bravo. Like, it was, it was a good move. Yeah, buy it, that man a drink. You know, because it's not... It's it's not this crazy amount of overpowering stuff. Uh, it can be if you if you mix it all in right. Mm-hmm. But um, and and the thing is for the like for those for the big war clan stuff, you got to be playing a big game. Yeah, I mean half of that stuff is really cool, and I'm not going to see it. No, you know what I'm saying. You're not going to see it at a tournament when you're playing two thousand points. You're not going to fit all that in there. You know? No, you'll get a ruck or two, but nothing like a full clan. Right. Except for the smaller ones. But you can. Yeah. You can play narrative. If you've got a big enough army, you could sit there and be like, because I could totally see you. Well, not with this, because I don't know. You don't have as much savages. I have none right now. But you're a, you are you are a green skin player. You always have been. I could More see goblins, you, but yeah. Okay, but let's say the, uh, the you know, the gob, let's say the, uh, you know, the the bad moons get get a book. Oh yeah, no, I no, could no. see I'll you. I could see you playing one of these huge war clan battalions. Yeah, and saying, you know what? Okay, you don't have that big of an army. It'll be me against two two of you. You two can both you know bring both your things. I don't have that much, uh, you know, in uh, fire slayers, and I don't have nearly that much in um, stormcast eternals, but. You know, you bring out this huge, you know, here I have my entire army with all its bonuses. I'll take on two players. Yeah. And we'll play it that way. And you and you can. Because why not? In, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that, you know, seriously, it's like getting to the size. You can play Apocalypse games practically. Yeah. It's going to be so anything. good. It's going to, I mean, and, and it, that's the thing because it scales. Mm-hmm. You know, it scales and, very well. I know Big Mike over in Canada was laughing uh, during the uh, Seraphon episode. There's Dave going into every detail of these huge armies that no one's ever going to play. You should. No, yeah. you're never going to play it. But if you've got enough, if you have the models to feel that, find someone willing to play that and play it, and then tell me how it went. Either go to the forums, GarageHammer.net. Go to the forum and tell me. Send me an email. Send me a voicemail. I want pictures. Send please. me some pictures. Yeah, I want to see that because you never hear about this except. Oh, you saw the pictures. Uh, ben Johnson, I think, was showing them with the uh, the, the hundred man AOS game. Yeah, 
Dude, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was 50. I counted it up. That was 50 feet. Or no, it's a hundred. It was, uh, I think it was a hundred of those realm of battle tiles. Yeah, because it was lot. fifty long, two deep, all the way around. And then if you add in the corners, it might have been even more, like a hundred realm of battle tiles, plus all the terrain. And you just saw the pictures as he walked down the table, and you're just like, "Oh, that's 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 amazing. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just that's so fantastic." Yeah, uh, it's so good, and I'm, it, it just it excites me. It really does excite me. The 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 that you know I, I I can still play, uh, especially with the new stuff that's coming out, where you can buy two to three models at a pop. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start off you know with your friends or, or or the kids even with a few models and play something small, and as you build up and build up and build up, suddenly, boom! And yeah. I know I'm I'm beating a dead horse here, but it just every time I read this, I get excited. Yeah. Or for a lot of us with big existing armies, like I have 160 night goblins in the dungeon, and I don't need 160 night goblins to play AOS. But if I get a whole moon clan going, yeah, I can do it. And that's nothing that I don't already own. So if you've got these big armies that we needed for last edition, get out and play with them. Yeah. Pull out that huge battalion. Take the bonuses. Even if they're not great, who cares? Just take it and throw it on the table and see what happens. You may like it. It may have a lot of fun. All right. Before we go any farther, let's just you know, let's take a quick break, and uh, we'll just come back after this and final thoughts, wrap up the show, that sort of good stuff. Uh, but let's take a quick break right now. All right. We'll be back in a second. Gurkak Weird Teeth could feel the spirits of the star beasts clawing their way back into the sky. Reaching out with huge hands of war energy, he tried to snatch them down and gobble them up, but they deftly slipped through his fingers. With a grunt, the Wurgog prophet turned his full attention back to the battle, now reaching its bitter conclusion. The toad like seer stared at him, but Gurkak's sorcery was too strong. Dancing in the scalding dust of the dragon's gullet, the prophet made the sign of the beast teeth, lacing together his green fingers and making a chomping motion with his hands. Gurkak's teeth rocks let out war cries, and the prophet watched with growing excitement as the bone splitter assault responded to his crude gesture. Like the closing fangs of a great maw, the big stabas swept toward each other, moving like predators through a storm-lashed grassland. Wherever the slant summoned fresh creatures, the Tifrux converged. Gurkak took advantage of his foe's dwindling numbers and charged down into combat himself. The sight of their Wurgog prophet dancing among them, his staff held high, sent the bone splitters into even greater heights of animalistic fury. So close to the sweating, cursing Auric horde, Gurkak could feel the power of the war swelling in his head until he was sure it was about to crack open. With a great burp of green flame, Gurkak let it out. The Oryx and Seraphon around him were hurled to the ground as a shockwave blasted out from where he stood, whipping up billowing clouds of red sand that caused both sides to cough violently and claw at their streaming eyes. When the war wave reached the slan, Gurkak saw his enemy rock back on his hovering stone dais 
and then tumble into the pit that yawned below the chaos ruins like a bloated chick falling from its nest. Deprived of their leader's sorcery, the Seraphon were at the mercy of Gurkak's magics and the Gork-sent fury of his lads. Back, back. That's where we are. Oh, all right. I think. I think. Are we done? I think so. I think we're done. All right. Um. Listen. Before we go, I gotta. I gotta. Uh, you know. Do the. Do the obligatory wrap up here. Um. First of all, Alex, thank you for coming on yeah, and spending a couple you. evenings here, uh, recording this and doing this. Um. You. You got the insight. On the uh, playing side, you 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 can you you see the synergies quicker than I do. Well, thank you. I mean, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm heading up to Cap City Bloodbath uh, next weekend, so I'll be doing an international road trip with the Stormcast. See how that goes. Mm. Um, but also, if you're interested, um, I'm running a the AOS uh, match play event at Wapaka this year for those that are going. Or are interested in going? I am going to Wapaka this year because it is not on my daughter's birthday. So good. So excited. There's going to be at least three AOS events at Wapaka this year. Oh, good, good, good. So definitely make it if you can. We'll have a little bit of everything. We're doing narrative, we're doing mega battle, and we're doing match play. So there is something for everybody for AOS at Wapaka this year. So if you can make it, please join us. If not, please try to join us anyway. (laughs) so yeah that's my spiel so um but again thank you for having me on i really enjoy talking this kind of stuff no it's nice to like i don't know it's nice to hear a positive attitude all the time because we get surrounded by so much negative nowadays but when you talk about this stuff energy is so frantic and it's just great to hear well and you and i are both kind of fanboys although you can i've seen you get a little more negative than i have when you don't like something i like everything let's be honest i just always yeah yeah you do i'm getting better i'm getting better no i'm not it's not a knock on you if anything it's more of a knock on me i'm always looking to find the the thing you know there's always got to be some positive in there and i get made Mm -hmm. fun of for it because it's like you like everything no i just i look for the positive that's who i am there might yeah. be there's yes I might be digging through a lot of junk to find the positive, but there's got to be something good in there, and that's what I'm going to focus on because maybe it's, maybe I got an issue with just admitting that something that I purchased or bought was junk. Now, uh, luckily, I mean I'm not saying these are junk, and I'm looking for the positives. It's easy to see the positives here, but mm-hmm. that's just who I am. I always look for the positives. Um, all right, before we go, I got to mention one more time uh, the Patreon. Um, we, okay. For those of you who don't know, I did set up a Patreon, um, which means, um, you can, you can, you can become an official sponsor of the show. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash garage hammer, you'll see it there. Um, we've had a bunch of people. Thank you to everybody who has donated. And if you want to, you know, help out on the show, um, you can just, you know, you can throw in whatever you can afford, whatever you'd like. Um, you throw in a dollar a show, 50 cents a show. Um, there's different levels with different bonuses. I do want to thank a few people who signed up since the last episode. Uh, Chris Crane and Donald Taylor signed up. And uh, at the associate producer level, which are guys who will be coming in and every quarter um, I will be 
you know, talking with them about what you know what they would like to see or hear on the show. Uh, and these guys, you know, they get a mention because they've come in at the associate producer level. They really want to have something to do with the show, not just helping out. But uh, James Mackey, David Lee, Ryan Taylor, and Shirley Tempel um, coming in at that level, um, and, and anonymous. Um, and I'm calling them anonymous because they literally went in at the associate producer level, but you can click something where it says, I don't want any rewards. So I don't know if they want me to mention them or not. Um, maybe it's a secret, but, um, if you can help out, that's great. Uh, we set up a bunch of levels. Uh, one of the great things is I set up four goals and I've already hit three of them in less than a month. That's awesome. I may need to set up more goals. What are you doing? Are you packing up to move back there? No, oh. I was just trying to find something. <laughs> it sounds like you're digging for treasure. Um, going through my bits, Max. Leave no. me alone. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Um, but as I was saying real quick, um, oh, I totally lost track of what I was saying. Thanks a lot. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, with the – oh, so we've hit these levels. So, by the way, um, now – uh, when I get new models and start unboxing, we're going to have YouTube videos of that. Um, awesome. Yeah, we're going to be doing YouTube videos thanks to the sponsors. Um, we are going to be cutting down on the commercials, too, because once we hit a certain level, the Patreons are going to be... T- and that's that's the big, big thing here, and I don't want to dwell on this too much. I might, I'm going to mention it for a few more episodes, and then I'm going to cut it down to quick mentions. But uh, the whole point of this is... Um, there's a lot of people who said they'd like to sponsor the show, and if I can get sponsorship from the listeners, then I don't need to have as many sponsors or as many commercials, which, you know, I get complaints about that every once in a while. i got a ton of commercials, or they're getting old. Um, so that's cutting back. Um, also, uh, and I don't know, I'm, I'm working on it. Daniel and I are working on it. Um, we, we've hit the level, and now we're just exploring exactly how to do it. But we're looking at um, the show. It, we're going to. Uh, I think we're might we're looking at Mixler right now. Have you heard of Mixler? Me no. It's an app, M I X L R, and basically um, you could you, it broadcasts live. Huh. So if you want to hear the show before it's released, warts and all, breaks, stops, whatever it is we're doing, because there will be because this you know I got three kids. <laughs> we stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people come down and ask questions. I get phone calls. Um, but if you want to hear the show, warts and all, uncut, with all the mistakes and all the goofs and all the chit-chat, um, that's that's going to be up. We're hoping to have it up within the next month um, because we hit that goal, too. I did not expect to hit. I mean, I'm going to have to come up with new goals. Like, seriously, it's almost like on a Kickstarter where they're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't expect to hit all these goals. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I was. I guess I was aiming small. Cut back on the commercials. Get some. Get a camera so I could do some YouTube videos, and find a way to do live shows, which is the only thing people have really ever asked me for. And yeah, and I've hit like almost all of it. Yeah, but I think it just shows the level of importance that a lot of people place on this podcast, the importance of podcasts in the community. So I think that's a really good yeah, sign. But this one. That- Oh, shut up. <laughs> okay, look, I've been doing this a long time, and I, I you know, and I, I, okay, I'm not trying to, I'm not doing false modesty. I put on a pretty good show, and I have good production value, but it's okay. There's a lot of people who, you know, it's, I mean, it's not like, I'm, you know, I'm not Dan Heelan. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, 
I don't have the, the, the quality and the know-how and the going to all the tournaments and stuff like that to add in. I'm, I'm a fool in his basement who knows how to mix well and can read a fluff piece pretty darn good. Thank you going to college for drama for five years. I can read a half a page of uh, Warhammer fluff and, 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 and read it right. Um, but thank you to everybody, seriously. Um, I've gone on too long with this, but I, I'm, I'm shocked that in the two and a half weeks it's been up, We've got 22 sponsors, uh, our patrons, and it's just, uh, seriously, beyond anything I expected. So thank you so much. And by the way, go to the website, uh, join our forums, say hi. Um, I'm on it all the time. I'm checking things. You know, I'm trying to get, you know, you still have to send me an email uh, to garagehammeratlive.com. Let me know you're not a spammer. And tell me what your username is. I'll jump in and get you signed in. Um if you don't want to go there, then go to tga.community. Go to the Grand Alliance. There's a lot more people on there than there are on the on, on, on our forums. Um, I started to wonder if our forums are even necessary with the way the Grand Alliance is going. Uh, for now, I'm keeping them because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, join either join us or join there. Join somewhere. There's a lot Get of involved. us. Yeah. There's a ton of us out here who are playing this game. And I keep hearing, you know, you hear all the weird stuff. Dude, this week again, I'm getting weird negativity. So long. I'm not going to subscribe to Games Workshop's email anymore. I'm done with them. Or so long. I'm done with your game. And it's like, really? It's been like a year. Are you still doing that? Um, yeah. But every once what in a while I've you noticed get is a lot of people are starting to come back. Yeah. I mean, and, and the, 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 the handbook, the, the handbook with the points for the people who had to have points. It's bringing people back. Heck, you heard the last episode. Mm-hmm. Reese and those guys—they played 40k. They're picking it up. They've got—they've got a—they've got a fantasy night at their game club, and they've been playing it. They're like, "Hey, we've always wanted to get into it. The models are cool. We just didn't want to buy all those models, and now, now you play more like this game. We're we're playing." Yeah, and, and I honestly, had a lot of guys up by me jump to like Infinity or something, and now they're coming right back. And you know what's? It's I I think. For the guys who love 40k, but 40k, from what I understand, is getting kind of broken. Yeah. Um, th- this game isn't. No. And I think it's drawing 40k because from all from all reports, um, if AOS is outselling what Fantasy ever sold at this point. Yeah. And that's great. It <laughs> makes is. me so happy <laughs> after a year of turmoil and the first, especially the first like three to six months of just. You know, not knowing what was going on, it's like no, we have great models, we have a great game, we have a great community, and uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening. I know I'm going off now, and I should stop. It's late. I'm tired, and I'm just I'm just so excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking at my stormcast. I got the stupid wings, the first coat of paint on, in between all those stupid bits of gold. Oh yeah, they're a pain. I just finished up my second, my third set of three for Canada and. Well, I don't want to paint anymore. I have the first set of Ulthuan Gray on all nine sets of wings, front and back. Ugh. That's what I've been doing this week. And let me tell you, I planned on having this whole army done by the end of the summer. And I've only finished, I finally finished off the Liberators, and I'm halfway done with these these flyers. Because, man, either I'm a really slow painter, or this stuff just takes a lot longer than I planned because. Getting, You're also trying to paint to a higher level too. I'm just I'm following the video, which may not be that less high of a level. They're still very good videos. Yeah, they, they teach are. You how to do a very good job, 
at a pretty high level. So there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. I'm excited. They're starting to look really good. Uh, I'm going to add another lighter color on the bottom half of the wings and then go in with that blue and then the white. I'm starting to think they're going to look great. Um, I'm very excited about how this army's going. Yeah. So, all right, that's that. Uh, way too long, way too much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming on, Alex. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dave. And, um, oh, I know I said by episode 150 we'd have the new music. Um, I don't yet. However, um, we did get someone who sent me as their entry, uh, got me connected up with someone who does some writing of some original music. So we may literally have original music on the show, written for this show, coming up That's soon. scary. Can, I mean... Not with, not necessarily with any lyrics. I mean, I'm not as cool as the Skull Bros and you know the Skull Bro rap or whatever they called that song in their opening theme song. But literally, music written for this show. I'm so excited. Like the show is really kind of taking off in new directions in the last month or two. Um, and I'm so excited. And Lindsay's excited. So as long as she's happy. Yay, yay. She's my you know, she's my girl. My uh, my Canadian albino hockey puck. You know. You gotta oh, love her. So, all right, that's it. We will see you in a few weeks. And until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through David at garagehammer.net. You can reach me, that's Chris, through Chris U at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garagehammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening.